the moment you've all been waiting for. It's time for the Steak for Breakfast podcast. It's Tuesday, July 26, 2022, and this is the People's Podcast. This is Steak for Breakfast. Smokey, this is not Nam. This is bowling. There are rules. Today, Junior, America. Steak for breakfast. So stand by. We used to be number ten. Now we permanently one in the battle. Lost my finger. Mike became my arm. Pistol nozzle hits nasal. Blood becomes lukewarm. Tell them, come on, be easy now. Squeeze this summer. Test why cleft. See that flesh get scorned. Beats so bad, make you feel like you ain't wanting to be born, John. And tell your friends, stay that hell out of my lawn. Chicken drawers became dead drawers. Stealing chicken from my farm. I'm not the dead kitchen. If you're my theosis, then I'm bringing all hate to Cecilia. Nobody shoot me. My body's made a hand grenade. Girl bled to death while she was sunk in the razor blade. This episode of the podcast is brought to you, as always, by Man Rubs. Mm. Rubs, barbecue tools, blowtorches, t-shirts, coffee cups, and all-around barbecue-related gear for you to make barbecue great again can be found at manrubs.com or on Instagram, manrubs. Use the code STEAK15 for 15% off your order. Also brought to you by Stay Ready Gear. They're at stayreadygear.com and on Instagram, stayreadygearusa. Holsters, custom kydex, mag carriers, tourniquet carriers, on- and off-duty gear, hot melted plastic made just for you. Need a custom order? They got you covered. Use the code STEAK for 5% off. Don't get ready. Stay ready. The Pillow King of Minnesota and the apparatus known as the MyPillow family always have great deals and savings happening down at MyPillow. But I've got something a little new for you today. Now, there's one thing I can reasonably derive based off the uh, public history of Mike Lindell. And that, number one, he probably knows a lot of Colombians. And number two, he probably wasn't much of a morning person at some point, but now, when you're on promo code STEAK at checkout at the My Store. Ooh, they got the coffee? Coffee's launch. Promo code STEAK. Use it. Get your uh, best cup of coffee you've ever owned. Oh, they're going to say use it or lose it. No, that's the old Mike Lindell. This is the new one. (laughs) MyStore.com forward slash STEAK is the website, or you can talk to a qualified coffee representative. 1-800-634-7864. The top tier of ear gear and the world's most technologically advanced in-studio recording equipment can be found at Odyssey. Whether you're gaming, potting, used to be number 10, but now you're number one. Get your ear needs taken care of and done upright. They are the world's finest headphones. Odyssey.com is the website. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram as well. Mike down at West Coast Survival Arms has been servicing Southern California for over a decade. He's a licensed FFL. You live in Canada, not going to happen, but if you're into the tradesies, get it done. Got a five-star rating as well. Newly redesigned, easy to use website is westcoastsurvivalarms.com. He's on Facebook Messenger and via the telephone, 619-870-6992. Steak for breakfast, backs the blue. We love our first responders, and they're always working hard. While they're off duty, they're probably wearing gear from Mediocre Medic, sweatshirts, t-shirts, flip-flops, fanny packs, and more, stickers and patches for while they're on the job. Plus, they got a pretty fire IG. Mediocremedic.com is the website. And last but certainly not least, the gold standard of tactical flair, home of the zero-fuck-stuck. Still don't know? Go ask Mark Joe Friday. 
Dumpbox.us is the website. You can find them on Instagram. You can find them on Facebook. Friends, don't forget to follow the show on Instagram at Steak for Podcast Breakfast or on the website at SteakforBreakfastPodcast.com. There you'll find a link tree that'll take you to all our social medias, the website, our newest Substack, Telegram, and more. On that note, and to all our friends joining us today on the Patriot Podcast Network via the Roku app, from the Twitterverse, Instagram, Discord, Frank Speech, and now via our verified account on Truth Social, welcome. Tuesday edition, Steak for Breakfast Podcast, episode 155. I'm Roan. Noah's here. Yo. Guys, we've got a great show lined up for you today, as usual. Uh, we've got uh, rallies aplenty to cover, both uh, the Trump one in Arizona and the Student Action Summit in Florida. And we will uh, be jumping into the news with one of our great friends right now. All right, coming in first with us on the show today, he is the former chief of staff to the Department of Defense. He's also a former special assistant to the 45th president of the United States, one of our great friends, working extremely hard every single day in the uh, Save America movement. Mr. Cash Patel, thanks for coming back on the show. Gents, thanks so much for having me back on. The greatest podcast on Truth Social, no big deal. Well, I mean... Besides yours and Devin's, which have been putting out quite a few bangers lately, uh, I listened yeah. to the, I listened to the one you guys did with Julie Kelly the other day. It was awesome. I think we might have to have you guys on that one. We are ready, willing, and able whenever you guys want. You know, content okay. creators. We've been uh, sharing a lot of our musical friends and some of the other artists that we have out there. Uh, we're going to be having some great people coming up on the show as well. Uh, yeah, so we're just looking to, uh, you know, help the platform grow and, and do whatever we can, because like I always tell you, interaction wise, we've been doing this for over three years now. And true social is the first social media experience we've ever had. Um, I've never any been kind of interactions ever. I've never been verified and been so anonymous at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I think we did that live once. Yeah, it was great. But, uh, I mean, just like having posts shared that letting people hear your thoughts and then interact with you it's i mean cash you're doing it like almost 24 7 uh we see you you well it's a bot don't tell anybody it's a chinese (laughs) robot that i invested in all my life savings and it's this giant chinese robot that i painted brown and it sits in my apartment has a a beard occasionally wears flannels and uh does it have a a robot dog as a pet likes pbr (laughs) with a gun turret on the back he has a robot Q that he walks around with oh there you go there you go Q confirmed (laughs) got it didn't think we were gonna go there this show might as well yeah we're doing a lot of stuff Cash, we're covering stuff from the weekend on our show today, and I think one of, well, two of the biggest events that happened was, first of all, the Trump rally in Arizona. Uh, We're going to do our signature breakdown of that. We're the only podcast in the country that breaks down every Trump rally. And, uh, you know, we we were able to go in person. It's been a first time in a while for me, first time for Noah, and we had an amazing experience. Uh, On short notice with a reschedule a week later, it was surprising to see that President Trump was able to pack that large arena uh, well, not surprising, really, but, you know, on such short notice, there were people who probably originally wanted to come from out of town and, and maybe not have been able to come back. Um, but, yeah, there wasn't a place to stand or breathe in there by the time he took the podium. <laughs> Rumor, you guys had okay seats. Oh, we had fantastic seats, thanks to you, and uh, <laughs> had a great experience. I want to let our listenership know, you know, because this is at the top of the show. So I got to meet Dan Scavino, thanks to you. Uh, you know, we found him before the show. I called him. He gave me and Noah a little salute. But throughout the course of the show, he sat right in front of us, which is basically on the railing. And in between Dan and Donald Trump was about 20 feet. So that's how far away we were from them. So I was taking pictures of the back of his head, and I was like, tell him to turn around so we could meet him. And Cash is like, I'm going to tell him to just say hi to you guys, like meet him like a regular person. <laughs> and, and so at the end of the show, 
Donald Trump does this whole make everything great again, does a little dance, waves to everybody, goes back out through the curtain, and Dan's filming because he always does the end of the rallies and puts them up on his social medias. And as soon as he's done filming, I call to him, and he waves over to me, and he's like, are you Roan? I was like, yeah. And he's like, oh, come here, let me shake your hand. So I go to step down, and <laughs> forgetting the entire time, there's a huge, like, Blackwater-ish type guy who was holding his breath and puffing out his chest for the entire 95 minutes that Donald Trump spoke, who consequently put me in the fastest armbar I've ever been put in and uh, almost blacked out from the pain that I, when he's asking me what the uh, hell I'm doing. It's worth I like, it. I said, I'm just trying to shake that guy's hand. And the guy like, looks over his shoulder and Dan Scamino's like, no, it's okay. I know them. Kind of. <laughs> so, no, but it was cool. I got to say hi to him. He thanks us. He, sa- he said he was going to see us soon. You guys can take it for whatever it means. I take it as a promise. Yeah. So even though it's not. I bummed I'd walked away at that point. I yeah, missed it. Met his girlfriend. Yeah, Noah went to catch up with Christina Bob, who we also met in person, and then Erica Knight, which was uh, great as well. So we got to see some of our friends. In addition to that, Cash, all the speakers that were there, um, obviously the ticket for Arizona, which is one of the most crucial ones for the entire mm-hmm. country, Carrie Lake at the top with Blake Masters, and then you have Mark Fincham and Abe Hamaday running for uh, positions there as well. Late endorsement, but great endorsement by Donald Trump for Eli Crane. He's a great friend of the show. He's been on twice. He'll be back shortly after the primary. And uh, just a, would be an amazing addition to the U.S. House of Representatives running in Arizona, too. And then there were some great other guests. Uh, Sheriff Arpaio was there. Mark Lamb was there. Of course, Mike Lindell spoke. Our great friend Rick Grinnell, who's coming back on next week with us, uh, gave a great speech. And it was good to hear the 45th president, uh, you know, live and in person, brought – I'm not going to – it was a different kind of energy than I've recently seen mm. from his rally. So two weeks ago when he was up in Alaska, it was more of like a 2015, 2016 vibe. But over the course of the last couple of weeks, we've seen some big lies come out from the January 6th committee. In addition to that, his great friend uh, Shinzo Abe was assassinated. And, and we all, of course, know that Ivana Trump unexpectedly and uh, unfortunately passed away. Uh, the president had more of like a personal fired up like calling people out tone that was like a little bit harsher than he usually brings to the save America rally trail. And I actually Mm. liked it. It seemed like he was more laser focused on pointing out specific things like leaving the police alone, breaking up the mafia in the uh, national teachers union, Um, talking about health and safety stuff, uh, talking about some of the big embarrassments from the Biden administration, but then going back to places that he hasn't been in a while, namely calling out Adam Schiff Nancy Pelosi, uh, some of the former intelligence chiefs who left and, of course, lied about Donald Trump during, you know, Spygate, Russiagate, Obamagate, and all those other impeachment things. Everything else, yeah. Yeah, so it was really good to see him tapping some of those old, and I don't know if it's because of the emotional period he's probably going through in his personal life that some of those things Mm -hmm. came back to the forefront, but it was good to see them rehashed. And uh, the crowd was incredibly receptive. And, uh, yeah, we, we thought it was a great time. So what, what do you think about some of the, uh, you know, stuff that came out of the president this weekend and, uh, you know, how he's trying to, uh, diversify that message as he's out on the road, trying to get a lot of these great America first candidates over the finish line. Most of them, uh, the last big third, I mean, there's a couple primaries following that, but August 2nd's like the big day for the, uh, back half of the Republican primaries. Yeah, it's, it's the day we basically win back the wild, wild west of America and, yeah. and, and bring it back into the fold from Nevada and Arizona and, you know, and, and just so many races that you highlighted. And I think that's President Trump's mission right now is to figure out how to get those America first candidates over the finish line, because really only he could do it. 
And he's showing himself by doing it in Alaska in person, doing it in Arizona in person, doing it in Vegas, in Nevada in person. You know, I'll be back out there in Arizona on Sunday and Monday with my buddy Rick Rennell and just on the MAGA pack stuff, just going relentless uh, right through the uh, finish line just to make sure we put it out out there and get Carrie and Blake and Abe and all these other great candidates over the finish line. And then we get to, you know, that's just the primary. Then we get into the uh, slugfest that will be the, uh, the, the general. But uh, I think you'll probably see President Trump back out there in the region once more before the generals um come our way in november so uh <clears throat> you know it's nice also to i mean i have a i have a you an unusually skewed that's the word like perspective because you know i went i go to like 40 plus rallies and you know you you find the different themes and notes to him but president trump has this ability not to make everyone the same and i he think does. that's what you saw in arizona it yep. was a reality uh, it, it reflected the reality of the day, everything in his personal life to everything of what's important right now, which was the primaries in Arizona. That's why he was there. And so he has that ability to sort of educate Americans. And you have to remember, so many people are going to a Trump rally for the first time ever or listening or tuning in on TV to a Trump rally for the first time ever. So you got to educate them on everything from Russiagate to impeachment to the endless um, fault, fake counteract the endless fake news on the January 6th stuff. So I think he has this unique ability to, to tell everyone like he's telling them for the first time, because so many people are hearing it for the first time. Yeah. He had some uh, knocks at people like Larry Hogan, which were, which I thought were great uh, talk, <laughs> talking about his uh, weight and appearance, uh, but it, it was great to see Trump endorsed candidate friend of steak for breakfast. He's going to be coming back on with us soon. Dan Cox uh, absolutely destroy him in the uh, Maryland governor's race, the primary that happened there last week. That was a great win. Uh, we all we all thought Dan Cox was going to do well, but margin of victory, it was Mastriano-like, almost uh, 20 points. And, yeah, it's uh, good. Uh, tell Dan if he wants an endorsement, I'm happy to bring him in on steaks on steak for uh, breakfast live. Oh, there you go. I like that. And uh, I'll be reaching out to patients today. That's his wife, who, who I communicate with uh, regarding his campaign. She's a great gal, and uh, yeah, for sure. Now, I wanted to ask you a question. You, you, you mentioned the MAGA pack and, and running around with people like Rick Rennell, who, who I'm sure it's a great time every time you guys get together. It seems like uh, you guys bring a lot of energy to the table. But um, it, So over the course of your career, you know, you, you, you worked in law for a long time, and then you, when you came into the Trump administration, you, you moved around into several of the highest-ranking uh, you know, positions there within the, within the federal government. And, you know, there was a time... Uh, after the 2020 presidential election where you guys kind of figured out what the plan was going to be. And here we are, how much of a difference uh, in doing the things you're doing right now, which is probably just as important as some of the things you were doing while you were serving in the Trump administration, if not more based on how bad the country is, is off track. It, has that changed your whole perspective on things and, and, and how tough is it to, uh, you know, be out there stumping in the way you do for all these candidates in, in all these different places and traveling so much? I think, the, you know, you got, you know, you guys know it better than probably most Americans. What you see is you actually see the effects of, of the politicization of the national security apparatus and you yep. see the effects it has on not just our military, but our intelligence community, our law enforcement community. You're like, what the heck is going on? It's not supposed to be like this. And it's such an easy fix. But the reason it's being destroyed is because uh, the liberal left mafia and the radical agenda is allowing the politicization of this apparatus that we worked for we served in and we know works it didn't really matter who was at the top of the white house in most instances of our work 
because the mission was pretty simple safeguard america keep america first and then then when we figure that out successfully go overseas and help our allies and friends i mean that's a very general view of it but that's why i think we're able to see on a battlefield level the effects of crappy policies most americans don't see that they're just like oh defund the police and don't you know do anything at the border most americans aren't working those battles like you know like we did and they see it, though, when a kid in their in their community overdoses from Chinese fentanyl or right. someone gets taken into a human trafficking smuggling ring, then they see it when they go to the gas station. Now they see what crappy economic policies look like. So what we saw on the front line while we were in is different from what Americans see. But when those those two sort of merge, which they have now because it's gotten so bad then I think a lot more Americans tune into how the hell do we fix it? And that's, that's the bat. That's why you keep doing it. But because, you know, if president Trump decides to run and I think he will, that's the reason he's going to do it. Not because he wants to be president again, because he wants to fix this place, this place. He, he just, you know, has that institutional drive that you guys have to make sure our country operates the way it's supposed to and not to have it taken over by the AOCs of the world, who, right. by the way, you know, when, when people are out there like making fun of her on the left, I always say this and people give me flack for it. I'm like, give that lady all the money in the world. We want her talking forever. Yes. She is the best advertising we could get. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. She's, she's one of those ones, no matter what comes out of her mouth, you could tell like, cool. even, even if she pretends she's passionate about stuff, she has no idea what's going on with anything. <laughs> Zero at all, at all. You can't even fake being handcuffed because you have to put your arm up while you're getting escorted away in in a minor detention by by Capitol Police, like like she did last week out in front of the Supreme Court. It's just silly. And uh, yeah, you're right. We do need people like her talking. I did bring two audio clips today, and we're gonna play them throughout the course of talking to you, Cash. Ooh. So, well, you're you're probably not gonna like either one of these clips, but they are in tune with what we're talking. Contrastedly to Donald Trump's rally in Arizona, former vice president, and, uh, well, we call him our modern-day Judas on this show. Mike Pence held a rally out in Arizona last weekend as well. His to about 300 mm-hmm. people when Donald Trump pe- packed nearly— That's a big room. Yeah, it was, it was, it, well, it was a high school gymnasium. Okay. And, and Donald Trump packed the Toyota Center to standing room only with, <laughs> with overflow outside. Yeah, it was pretty nice. But Mike Pence was talking today at the Young America's Foundation, and he was talking about things that— him and Donald Trump have in common and now don't. Um, obviously, okay. he's aligning himself up to jump into the uh, presidential primary at some point here, but uh, let's hear the message that he's trying to give to the American people. Yeah, yeah let's check that Andrew out. Shard. I go to Gettysburg College. Hi, Andrew. And my question is, uh, you, President Trump and yourself are both speaking this week in D.C., and there seems to be a divide between the two of you on your outlook on what the future of the conservative movement might be. So do you think that this divide extends to the rest of the conservative movement, like the general public, and what do you think we can do to alleviate it? Well, I will tell you that I couldn't be uh, more proud of the record of the Trump-Pence administration. First time I ever heard that. And for four years, we advanced the policies that I just described without apology. To promote a, a growing economy, to secure our border. We appointed more than 300 conservatives to our federal courts at every level, including three Supreme Court justices. We rebuild our military, all of what I described. And I'll always be grateful for the opportunity to serve as vice president. So I don't know that our movement is that divided. Hmm. 
I don't, I don't know that the president and I differ on issues. But we may differ on focus. Mm. I, I truly do believe that elections are about the future. And that it's absolutely essential at a time when so many Americans are hurting, so many families are struggling, that we don't give way to the temptation to look back. But I think the time has come for us to offer a bold, positive agenda to bring America back. And I'll continue to carry that message all across this nation. Mm-hmm. You know who he reminds me of? What's the guy from the, the, all the old cowboy movies and he was in Batman? He's just like, you're my best guy. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's kind of weird. It's like, so... Every, like people on the establishment side, they all need to say that Donald Trump is not the answer, right? So it, it's like a grift for a good minute there, pointing out all the great things they did, trying to hitch his wagon to it. And then, but there's always going to be a butt with people like Mike Pence and anybody else who decides to get in the ring for and well and get destroyed by twenty uh, by President Trump in twenty twenty four. But the, but the fact of the matter is, you could see it there. It's like you want to take the credit for things that happened, but you don't want to give the credit for the man that accomplished them. So he was speaking the same night that Trump did. Yeah. Now, why would you go to his in lieu of going to Trump's? Like, that doesn't make any sense. Well, they didn't. I said there was about 300 people. Well, I, I know. I but sent you the picture because you, no, no, you were looking for what it looked but like. But 300 people. Yeah. Okay, so 150 of those probably worked there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And then some people just didn't want to take the drive up to Prescott, which is a haul. From, oh, yeah. Even from Phoenix, it's still about an hour away. So everyone that went out to that little bit more of a remote location in Arizona, uh, you know, they really went and. Uh, yeah, I guess if you're staying local, that makes that's the other 75 people, maybe. They're definitely America first. But Cash, when it comes to people like possible contender challengers to to President Trump and people that are going to get in the general election race at some point, it's it's not even close, right? He's in his own a level all by himself. Yeah. The only contender against President Trump is if he decides not to run. Yep. Um, and then everybody else might have a shot. And, mm-hmm. you know, Mike Pence, if he wants to think about running for president, may want to put more audiences in a room than when Cash Patel shows up. Otherwise, he's going to have a big hill to climb. You know, and, we, we you talked know, about when, that on a recent show that uh, people like uh, Christina Bob was talking about how Ron DeSantis is not the answer right now. And I said, you know what, you're right. And one of the comparative things I used was like when you go to like an Adam Lexalt rally and, and his guests are Cash and Rick Grinnell and they put like several thousand people in there and Ron DeSantis can't even fill that in a state like Nevada. Uh, it's pretty interesting to see the star power that's going on within, uh, you know, our wing of the party. Yeah. And it, it has, it, it has uh, you know, nothing to do with like a little to do with us, but mostly to do with Trump, because that's as you know, it's ironic to hear the former vice president who I got along with just fine say elections are about the future, but we need to bring America back. You mean back to the Trump policies that everybody is so cravenly missing right now because our country's getting its ass handed mm. to us? <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, so elections are, of course, about the future. But what are you going to do? Create a whole new agenda that made us the most popular administration and the most successful administration in U.S. modern history? President Trump's not going to come up with a new way of doing it. He knows how to solve the border. He knows how to go on the world and establish American dominance. He knows how to take on China, Russia, Iran, North Korea, and all these other adversaries we have. And he knows how to put America back on top, both in the economic and national security realm. You don't have to have new policies. It doesn't have to be like a new thing. And that's what I think these guys who are trying to run for president or setting up to run against Trump are saying, oh, we'll, we'll do it differently. 
well, if you do it differently, you're not going to be doing it in America first fashion. So you're going to lose a lot of the electorate. And if you do it differently, they're really the only other way to do it is what Joe Biden's doing, maybe to a lesser degree. So make your choice at the voting booth. Sure. But uh, make no difference. The only reason that Mike Pence or anybody else is even in the realm of contention for running is because they were aligned with President Trump. That also goes for Ron DeSantis, who wouldn't have won the governorship in Florida without President Trump. So, you know, I guess, you know, politics makes strange bedfellows and all that nonsense. It makes even stranger friends uh, because the, the the life cycle to remember that is short for some of these people. But uh, they get reminded when needed to. And, and if they don't, if they can't remind themselves, I'm sure they'll get reminded by President Trump uh <laughs> on the debate stage, because there are probably some things that happen behind the scenes that Mike Pence is not proud of throughout the course of the administration and not related to January 6th that I'm sure Donald Trump will be bringing up. Uh, you know, he, he went as far as, as calling Ted Cruz's wife ugly and fat last time. So <laughs> I'm pretty sure that no one is safe once you get up on that debate stage. And, and you're right, because when you look at the polls, you know, we saw a national poll that came out a week ago that showed Donald Trump was about and, and there was a there was a decent group of undecideds like in the twenty percent, but Donald Trump still had an over forty percent lead on uh, Ron DeSantis as you know who's the leader of the party, who would you like to see run? And then we had the Student Action Summit in Florida this weekend, and you know we saw a poll there, and that's that's pretty much a very young demographic, like eighteen to twenty five, and you're seeing it was mm-hmm. like seventy percent gap in between Trump and DeSantis, and DeSantis didn't even break twenty percent. So yeah. We all know where, where where it's at and where it lies, so that's kind of the things we have to just keep our eyes on. But uh, I do want to switch gears. We saw one of your great friends, uh, Liz Cheney, out doing the uh, Sunday news show cycle My this bestie. weekend. She was, and uh, she she jumped in with uh, Brett Bayer for Fox News Sunday. And, uh, you know, they're talking about how all of these things are going on with the trial right now, bombshell after bombshell, which turns out to be nothing burger after nothing burger. You know, every single person from the Trump administration who's going in there and falsely testifying under oath before that committee and on television is only trying to secure the size of their golden parachute moving forward because they know now there is no any way back into the Trump administration moving forward, a future one uh, in, in the next presidential cycle. And, you know, they're going to see which think tank or lobby group they're going to work for while they write their book, which is going to be complete BS anyway. So, but yeah, she, she was up there and, uh, she, she told one of the big lies that you and, uh, Devin Nunes talked about specifically on, on, on your, on your last podcast together last week. And I want you to hear that clip from, uh, her sitting down with Brett Bear this weekend. Mm-hmm publicly that Donald Trump never issued any order to deploy the guard to protect the Capitol. Uh, and, and so I would point people to his own Secretary of Defense's public testimony. So the four of you that I've had an well, opportunity to interview now confirm that on January 4th in the Oval Office that you heard Donald Trump authorize up to 20,000 troops, Cash Patel, uh, two days before January 6th even happened. Tell us about that meeting. Yeah, it's not one of those. Thanks again, Sean, like Chris said, for having us, especially on D-Day, to talk about this serious matter. It's not one of those meetings you forget. The Secretary of Defense, Chris Miller, the Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, Mark Milley, the Chief of Staff to the President of the United States of America, Mark Meadows, and the President of the United States himself in the Oval Office talking about some of the most serious national security threats we were facing. And then we pivoted to setting up for January 6th, and Mr. Trump unequivocally 
authorized up to 20,000 National Guards men and women for us to utilize should the second part of the law, the request, come in. But those requests never did, as you highlighted. Well, let me, let me. Cash, is it okay for her to go on TV and only say the first part of that and, and make it seem like that's the basis for it? Or is this just line up with the rest of the stuff that's been in committee? Obviously, it's nonpartisan, even though you have her and Kitzinger there. Uh, obviously, this is you know, something to keep this in the public eye when we should be focusing on the issues that are greatly affecting the country. I mean, you were literally in all of those highest level meetings regarding, you know, the transfer of power in January 6th and stuff like that. And and she can just go on TV and say it up to a point and make it seem like and kind of, well, lie to the American people and, and, and have them think that, you know, where she stops her sentence is where the entire narrative is. It's worse than that. She's devious and deceptive at the same time. Yeah. Liz Cheney sits on the House Armed Services Committee, who has oversight of the Department of Defense, not to mention her fact that her father's one of the richest human beings on planet Earth because of DOD contracts. She knows how DOD works. She is withholding truthful information, which is you've always learned, especially I did as a former federal prosecutor. Is sure. That's the same thing as lying. When she says Chris Miller didn't, and her words are now going to be used to vindicate Trump at the Jan 6 convention itself that they're hosting. When she says President Trump didn't order the military on that day, yeah, he's not allowed to do that by the U.S. Constitution. Had he ordered the military to descend on the United States Capitol, that's the very definition of a coup. That's why the United States Supreme Court and the legislature enacted posse comitatus to say the president must authorize the use of the National Guard domestically And then there must be a request, the second part of the law, by local government. And she knows both things were testified to by myself and Chris Miller multiple times under oath. And we put out the documents, the Bowser letter refusing that request, the Capitol Police memorandum refusing that request. The Milley report from the DOD inspector general under Biden came in on page 31 and verified that President Trump said that he authorized the appropriate security Uh, for the January 6th event, days before it happened, and that those individuals, Bowser, Capitol Police, Pelosi, refused, and therefore the the National Guard could not be deployed. For Liz Cheney to come on and now say there was no order, well, thanks for proving that there's no insurrection. I don't know what your committee is going to do now. And the only person that followed the law on that day and the days leading up to it was President Trump. Absolutely. And, you know, she would go on throughout the course of that interview to make statements like, uh, when Brett Baer challenged her on the legitimateness of that committee and how getting to the bottom of the facts and how they might be incapable of it because of the partisanness level of it. Um, she basically circled back to Kevin McCarthy pulling Republican nominations to sit on the council after, and, and then she stopped short of saying that's after her and Nancy Pelosi wouldn't let Jim Jordan and Jim Banks sit on it. <laughs> and again, she, she stops right before, you know, the fact becomes logic and she stops at, you know, things that actually happen. But I'm going to take a hard left turn and uh, let everybody just think this is the way. It, well, Kevin McCarthy pulls his picks, but, you know, you don't say, but you didn't let Jim Jordan and Jim Banks sit on there. Or why mm-hmm. wouldn't you let Jim Jordan and Jim Banks sit on there? Because they'd be absolutely tearing it apart the whole time. I think it would be over if they were allowed to sit on the committee. <laughs> So, oh, yeah, they, they, they well, they know that. And they, for the first time in congressional history, decided to not um, utilize uh, the, the law as it relates to establishing committees and made it overly hyperly political by putting on two more basically Democrat pluses in Kinzinger and 
what's her name? Cheney. Yep. So they can say, oh, bipartisanship rules the day. It does not. And we better remember that in November when we kick Adam Schiff and Chinese Fang Fang Swalwell off the committees forever. Ever. And, uh, you know, it's one of those things. Well, I guess we could all take in and, and relish in the fact that, you know, Liz Cheney currently has 21 days left in her political career so wow is that it oh cool it. i didn't we should do it like a countdown yeah we've been we've been posted on our social medias and uh you know it's one of the things we we could really look forward to harriet hegman just absolutely stomping her oh, at the she's gonna box. be great she's gonna be great yeah we're we're, we're, we're excited for that one all right let's talk about durham real quick you've been you've been uh well from slow leak to absolute flood of stuff coming out lately via all the great information that you're putting out in your newsletters and, and for your online subscriptions, why don't you let our listenership hear on anything that's going on with that case right now as we head into, uh, well, the dog days of summer? Yeah, well, that's the, that's the interesting thing about this. Congress is in recess. There's really no government action right now for the next six weeks. And it's a good time to get up to speed on John Durham. So, you know, uh, people should get smart on Russiagate. Listen to your podcast. Go watch The Plot Against the President. Yes. And then for every single document on planet Earth that we can find, not just on January 6th, but all things John Durham, we put them up for free on DurhamWatch.com. So there's no charge. Go read them for yourself. But what John Durham's doing is getting ready for the Denchenko prosecution. And stunningly enough, just this weekend or just today, it was reported that the same FBI agent Auten, the same guy that intentionally lied, uh, ran the Russiagate investigation, the same guy that operated the Mike Flynn investigation, the same guy is now of course we knew this yes. has been shown to basically lied about John, John Durham's investigations and the Hunter Biden laptop. I'm shocked by calling it disinformation. the one same agent who's still employed and has gotten promotion after promotion. So we're going to continue that, that uh, thread of reporting because we think accountability actually matters. And Chris Ray, we know does not no. care about it at all. And John as John, but the, the reason it's important is because this guy handled Danchenko. Yep. Danchenko is going on trial in October for lying to the FBI. We know Danchenko lied to the FBI about his relations with Dolan and reporting stuff to the FBI and, and things like that. And, and falsely accusing Sergey Milian of being a source in the steel dossier and all these nasty things that destroyed people's lives. But you know who allowed it all to happen is Auten, this FBI agent. So I think as we get prepared for this, or we, Durham does, for this trial in October, which is interesting that the trial is right before the election. The timing of it, there could be not more poetic justice if that trial date holds, uh, because it's going to put out a lot of bad information. My hope is, though, that John Durham puts out a few more indictments that I expect him to against the FBI agents like guys like Auten and Heighton and all these other guys that we know lied while conducting their official duties and have not been charged. So we're going to drill down on that over these uh, over these summer days coming up here, and we're going to keep putting out more and more documents, not our documents, government documents as we get them, because don't listen to us. Just go read them. Yep. I keep telling people, like, you don't have to take my word for it. Why don't you go look at Bowser's signature? Why don't you go look at Pelosi's Capitol Police memorandum? Why don't you go look at John Durham's 30 trial subpoenas in preparation for the Denchenko case? That's a lot of witnesses to call if you're not talking about a lot of game. No, you make a good point there, and I think the you know the biggest thing is, like you said, we do have some time to whether to where this is really going to start picking up, and we're, and we're going to see the angle that John Durham is going to go on in regards to 
you know, sealing a prosecution and uh, maybe blowing the lid off this a little bit more. But this is an excellent time to get caught up. There's a lot of people who are, you know, getting on Truth Social for the first time and just getting their feet wet or are coming into shows like ours, ours uh, shows like Devin's and, and Cash, of course, your show, which focuses, you know, a lot on this stuff that's going on with this case and, and all things to do with national security and, and stuff like that. But, you know, Go check out the documentaries. Listen to some of these podcasts. All the podcasts have show descriptions on what the content is in the show. Go see what exactly they're talking about. You know, you can subscribe to the newsletters. And uh, even if it's stuff where you know portions of it, there there's always going to be other parts that you don't know. And, and you want to kind of be able to uh, connect those dots before, you know, this stuff starts getting back out into the public. We see maybe some uh, indictments and prosecutions and stuff like that moving forward. And, and where else this is going to go for John Durham? And, and you want to be all caught up to speed on it. Yeah, and, and I think you're right. People need to participate by educating themselves on the truth and because you're not getting it from the mainstream media. They're just going to keep lying to you by putting on the acts like Liz Cheney and, you know, shame on Brett Baer for not being prepared and calling her out on our BS because he, as a journalist, knows better. We've given him the entire reporting. We even went to the Brett Baer staff and said, do you want to correct the record? We got no response. <laughs> And I said, I'll, I'll gladly go on your show any day of the week. You, you can question me to no end on January 6th. But if you're going to allow that fake headline to stand that because Donald Trump didn't illegally order the National Guard, he's at fault, then you are just as culpable as the rest of the people on January 6th committee who are perpetuating these lies. And it's a shame that that's the level of reporting that has gone to some of the places like Fox, but that's why people should be looking to your podcast um, and other avenues of, of getting educated that are all over Truth Social and great documentaries like The Plot Against the President. And yeah, my show's back. Cash's Corner is finally back. We took a little bit of a hiatus and uh, every Friday night we'll, we'll go riff on some crazy insanity. And uh, I think in a couple of weeks, I'm going to have Devin on, we're going to have a hilarious time. And then Devin started to hit restarted his podcast. So yeah, like you said, there's just a lot of places to a have fun. Yes. And also get your news because it doesn't have to be so serious all the dang time. So um, I think we're turning the corner and the midterms are going to be where we really round the basis. And then, uh, you know, then it's game on once uh, President Trump makes his decision public. Which, I mean, if you've gone to or heard a rally lately, it's coming soon. I mean, he, he literally <laughs> wants, you know, and a lot of people are, there's articles that have come out and, and people who have gone on television and on podcasts speculating when it was going to be, they're going to, oh yeah, it's so patriotic if he does it on July 4th. Listen, there's a lot of money tied into when you, you know, paying a whole nother year of, of campaign finance stuff is, is doesn't seem prudent. And maybe, you know, the, the way the angle I take it is, is why would you want to play your hand so early? Like everybody knows he's going to do it and he could stump on whatever he wants as a Save America rallies because technically those are rallies for the candidates that he's endorsed and are running in those states. But why would he want to start to get, you know, his future platform out there and all of the improvements he's going to make to what happened and, and what was so successful during the first Trump presidency? Why would he want to do that two and a half years before the general election in, in 2024 when they could just start to deconstruct those narratives and tell everybody how they're racist and they don't work and they're not things. That, I mean, so many people did so many things. When you talk about stuff that happened with like Russia, North Korea, the Southern border, people no, it's never going to happen. And all of those things happen. So why, mm -hmm. why would we give them the opportunity to do it now when you could do it at some point next year? Uh, you know, when more people are going to be formally coming out and then not have to pay a whole other year of campaign finance stuff and then start to lay out your platform based on where the country is then, which is more relevant to when, where it is actually now. Last thing I wanted to touch with you on cash real quick was 
there was an uh, an article that came out recently, I believe over the weekend from Axios, uh, talking about, <laughs> well, talk about playing your hands early. It seems like people close to the Trump campaign maybe have speculated that one of the biggest issues we had, we all know it's true, uh, with the first Trump administration, in addition to all the people who basically scumbagged the president that were on the air quoting now Republican side, uh, you know, the Paul Ryan and his whole group, all the former staffers of people that lost in the campaign and be like, oh, we still want to be involved. We're going to come over all the Jeb Bushers and Chris Christie's and stuff like that. Besides all those people, one of the problems we have in our government period is the administrative state. It's such a broad word. It doesn't mean like anything specific, but what it is, is it's the career appointed officials, the people who have gotten into positions, you know, outside of like bargaining level to where they're in their job forever. They literally have no bosses except each other. And what they do is regardless of who the president is, they know they're going to be there longer than four years or eight years. They could slow down the process. So nothing much changes in their world in turn, hurting the American people. Every time somebody new gets elected, Um, they're all extremely partisan. However, it's more liberal than it is conservative always has been. And that's because they're in high ranking, high paying positions. So why would you want anything to change? But this article talked about how one of the possible plans for a future Trump administration would be that whole reshuffling of schedule F, which would allow all of these people to be held accountable for the jobs that they don't do in the government and therefore be moved and or terminated, which I think is amazing. Um, you work directly uh, on the front lines and up against the administrative state the whole time you served in the Trump administration. How do you think, uh, you know, without even getting into it, like, yes, this is going to be a future Trump administration policy. How great would something like this be in regards to getting the ball rolling on like repealing of EPA standards, all things to do with the Southern border, uh, energy independence, like the administrative state pretty much controls the yes or no button on all of those issues. Yeah, look, I think there's multiple ways to do it. Rick Cornell and I did it without the schedule as F stuff when we were yep. running ODNI. You can get smart on the regs that that are currently there to uh, shuffle the workforce as you see fit and shuffle out the workforce that is failing. You know, ideas like schedule F and things aren't things that I've studied, but if it works, then I'm all for anything that helps reshape the America first agenda and gets rid of uh, deep staters that are rooted into just work against it. I think that lesson has been learned, as you said, And more importantly, we've got the bench. We've got the bench and we know who to bring in and we've got to deploy them all on day one, not month one. And I think that's the uh, that's the main difference. But it's always a pleasure to uh, to talk to you guys. And I hope to catch you in person uh, soon. No, Cash, it's it's really good to have you on. Of course, we'll be having you back at some point in August. Before you jump real quick, why don't you just let our listeners know where they could find you either on True Social and then the podcast will live link them in the show description today. Thanks so much. Yeah, always on Truth Social and only on Truth Social at Cash at K A S H. Uh, very simple. And uh, if you want a children's book to read, go to plotagainsttheking.com. It's Russia Gate for Kids with wonderful illustrations set in medieval times, and we make fun of Adam Schiff and Hillary Clinton. So uh, check it all out there, and um, I'll see you on Cash's Corner, and I'll see you guys back on stage for uh, breakfast soon. Former Chief of Staff to the DOD, all things related to the 45th President of the United States, working hard. Mr. Cash Patel, thanks for joining us today on Steak for Breakfast. Well, it was good sitting down with Cash again, as we get to do almost every few weeks, and uh, break down all the things that's going on on his end of the pond. Seems like they're uh, consequently tied into all the stuff that's going on in the country and stuff that we're covering on our show. Weird. Yeah, he's working hard, um, and and they all are. You know, we got to, uh, well, we're going to get into breaking down the Trump rally from, from Prescott, Arizona this week right now, as we do every time the 45th president holds one and uh it was it was a pretty enjoyable experience trip sucked 
14 hours in the car, round trip, one day. Mm-hmm. But uh, well worth it. Uh, we got there just in time to see everybody speak beforehand. And if, if you haven't been to a, a rally lately or one of the Save America ones, uh, all the people who are running and are endorsed by President Trump as kind of like the pregame festivities give a little, what would you say, about 10, 15-minute stump speech? Yeah. And in addition to Carrie Lake, Blake Masters, Abe Hamaday, and Mark Fincham, we also saw Sheriff Mark Lamb uh, get up there and give a pretty powerful speech on, on back in the blue and supporting law enforcement in the United States, a lot of things that, you know, President Trump championed in the course of his presidency. And we saw um, Mike Lindell, of course, as well. Yep. And, and former ambassador and uh, Trump administration official, former head of the DNI, Rick Grinnell, gave a pretty good speech, too, and bust out some pretty relevant dance moves as well. He was yeah. he, he was feeling it, both uh, when he took the stage for his pregame rally speech and uh, during the rally when President Trump came out. He, he got down a little harder to uh, hold on, I'm coming at the end, but that's a little bit more danceable than I'm proud to be an American. So. Right. And on the way to the rally, mm-hmm. had a pretty decent Reuben. Yeah, yeah. You ever been to Gila Bend? We have. <laughs> Wouldn't recommend the town, but if you're there, the, the, the what was it? The, the Space Age Restaurant? Yeah, Space Age Restaurant. It's you kinda, can't miss it. It's got a UFO on top of it. It's one of the only buildings that looks like an actual building in that town. Yeah. But, uh, no, it, it, it was a great time. We're, we're so thankful that Cash was able to get us into uh, his seating area, uh, which was the VIP. You saw us post some some media from the event, and uh, it was like the railing, one person, and then us. So we were right there. And uh, it, it was great. We got to meet Erica Knight, who's working so hard behind the scenes. You know, she reps Peter Navarro, Cash Patel, um, Rick Rennell, Matt Whitaker, Devin Nunes. She's also one of the high-ranking staffers on the Adam Lexall campaign and is, you know, like the comms director for Kelly Cooper, who's running in Arizona also. So, yeah, it was, it was, it was a good time. Uh, Donald Trump, like we, we talked about in our first segment, gave a very powerful speech, but a little bit of a different tone. Uh, Cash alluded to his ability to change the flavor going from well, port to port. But, you know, it, it, it seemed like there was a little bit more of a personal, focused, almost anger-driven to this rally. Uh, definitely pointing out some things that are going wrong in the country, but delivering it a little bit harder than he usually does. Not as many jokes, but, you know, th- there was a lot of people that, you know, he had to get the message out for, and, and he brought them all on stage and, uh, you know, gave them their time as well. So let's jump right into it. He, he, he started off early in the rally talking about the crisis down on the, on the southern border, which is something we're always highlighting on the show. Let's hear uh, 45 way in on it. Created the safest border. Think of it. We created the safest border in the history of our country. And now we have the most unsafe border in the history of our country. And I believe in the history of the world because I really believe that no country, a third world country, doesn't have a border like we have. There's never been anything like it. And you're talking about millions and millions of people coming in, unvetted, coming in from jails from 141 different countries. What they're doing to our country is ruining it. They're poisoning our country. We ended catch and release. We deported record numbers of illegal aliens and gang members. And we built hundreds of miles of border wall. In fact, we completely finished our original plan. Despite two and a half years of Democrat-inspired lawsuits, they sued me from day one on the wall. Two and a half years in court, we won every one of them. We finished the wall and then... 
We added much wall. We added a lot of additional wall. They said we could use some wall over here. Remember, they said walls don't work. Walls and wheels, I used to say, right? You know, they have all sorts of computers and technology. Two things that always happen, a wall and a wheel. They're never going to be replaced, I don't think. I don't know. When you find something better than a wheel, let me know, please. It was it was amazing just being there and just witnessing him just going off the teleprompter and just making shit up. It's was, it was awesome. Yeah, and how much he doesn't use it. We'll get into that a little bit later when we jump into our coverage of the Student Action Summit. He actually commented. And how small the teleprompter was compared yeah. to Joe Biden's jumbo jumbotron. It's like the size of about, what, four sheets of computer paper? Yeah. There are two legal pads, maybe? Yeah, basically and, two legal pads on and, either side. And that's it. And I'm telling you, the person who operates that... Um, for sure is uh, one of the best in the game. Yeah. Because cause how you have to stop and know when he's going to stop and go back. But, uh, yeah, the, the you know, it's pretty funny. I saw on the news this week, they're always talking about how Donald Trump exaggerates or, or lies about stuff. We all know that's not true. It's They're misreporting on, on several of the things he said. So in the Alaska rally, he talked about the completion of the border wall. And for the last 10 days I saw in the news cycle, they talked about it a lot on the Sunday show is that he's now promoting the lie that he completed the U S Southern border wall. No, and, he's, he literally said that he completed the original plan and right. then added more. He, th- well, the construction of the border wall was in phase three when he left office, which means that the original plan for what they wanted to do was done under budget and ahead of schedule as all things are with president Trump. And they had moved on to additional phases of adding border wall in places that were more remote and not part of the original phase. So when when he had said that in Alaska, he knew that the the media had been making fun of him for it for the last week and a half or so. So he he wanted to clarify, and uh, he did it in a way like only he does. So education is something that's become a huge topic uh, with Donald Trump out on the campaign trail. We all know a lot of the Trump-endorsed America First candidates are running on the platform of breaking up the teachers' union, and doing a lot more hardcore vetting in regards to stuff that's being taught to kids in school and removing a lot of the inappropriate and specifically sexually driven content. Um, In addition to the stuff that kind of erases the actual history of the United States. We've seen Christy Nome and and Ron DeSantis uh, be at the forefront of this for the last year and a half. And, you know, people like Dan Cox and Carrie Lake, Darren Bailey, they're all running on, on things that are directly tied into cleaning up our education system. Uh, Doug Mastriano as well, he, he's a big proprietor of that. So he gets into the education cartel specifically, and uh, we're going to hear that right now. It's time to finally and completely smash the radical left's corrupt education cartel. Our children are captives to unhinged Marxist educators. Where do they come from? who are pushing inappropriate sexual, racial, and political material on our children from the youngest possible age. It's not even believable. At long last, every parent in America must be empowered to opt out of this indoctrination and send their child to the public, private, charter, religious, or homeschool of their choice. That was one of the larger... um ones that the fans and the spectators, you know, responded to because that's something that's important and, and it hits home. So I, I think that what's going on in the schools right now is disgusting. 
and it definitely needs to be changed and reform. Uh, the teachers union has ballooned into an entity that's almost unstoppable outside of the realms of federal court right now. And, and moving forward, we definitely think that the, uh, 45th president is going to be taking that on in his next administration. Um, you know, Betsy DeVos has called for the ending of the department of education and, and we couldn't be more down with that than, uh, pretty much anybody who's got stake in the game. You like that one? Stake in the game? Well, a, a stake? two steaks i got you know prime rib and uh oh, there you go yeah and the end cut my daughter <laughs> <laughs> so we all know how much donald trump is a supporter of law enforcement across the country um anyone who's hasn't seen it yet jump over to any of dan scavino's uh social medias still can't believe i met dan shook his hand got yeah. to talk to him for a minute it was great i'm bummed i missed it yeah, thanks cash but yeah but that's okay because you were securing our FaceTime with Christina Bob, which yep. was also well worth it. Uh, it was great to finally sit down with her and and, and have a chat for a little bit face to face instead of over the Zoom. So, but you know, yeah, I tried to weasel my way into the uh, secure area, but couldn't do it. Mm. That's okay. You might have wound up on Right Side Broadcasting then. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, if you haven't seen Dan's Facebook or uh, Truth or Twitter post about when Donald Trump left Arizona um, from the private airport, the police escort that brought him there um, all lined up their bikes super nice in, in the fashion they did a lot when he was the president and, you know, gave him a salute as he was pulling up. And then when he parked, he went and shook everybody's hand and then took a really awesome picture with the, uh, with, with the bike cops that were taking him back to the airport. But the things that are going on in, in some of our historically important major cities right now, the New York's, Los Angeles's, Washington, D.C.'s, Philadelphia's, Chicago's, it's just disgusting. Uh, we saw sitting U.S. House member Lee Zeldin attacked last week while on the campaign stage. And before federal authorities picked up that person, he was released without having to pay bail within hours of, Course. The, of the assassination attempt. Uh, we also saw there was a video circulating online over the weekend I guess there was a couple in New York City who tried to get on the subway without paying. They hopped the turnstiles, and when they were approached by actual New York police, these weren't security guards or anything, they got into a huge fist fight. Oh, I saw that. I didn't know what the context was. Both people were out on no cash bond. All right. Of course. Yeah. So it, this is where we're at. And ever since 2017, even before the summer of love, when, when Barack Obama started that stuff after what went down in Baltimore— uh, which turned out to be a justified shooting of a person who was trying to get the gun away from a police officer and in turn probably kill him. Weird. Yeah. So, you know, ever since the Michael Brown stuff, we, we've seen the disconnection with the society in America, because we live in one, and law enforcement. Um, I think one of the best ways that this could be put under the microscope is some of the stuff that we saw that happened in Uvalde to where people didn't really know what to do anymore it used to be like bad stuff happens police run in regardless we even saw it up through the summer of love i mean they're getting hit with like soup cans frozen sodas uh, lasered in their eyes physically beat and, and they'd still be running to the burning buildings they'd still be running to the average citizens who were getting pulled out of their car and getting beat up but we're seeing it more now it's like anybody that's still doing that job right now knowing what's going on in the world mm -hmm. is I mean, you have to give them credit. You sure do, because a lot of uh, local PDs, especially in the bigger cities, a lot of people walked away. Yeah, but the pay is not great. No, 
It's not like when you move out to a place that's a little bit more remote and they have higher salaries because of smaller departments. The fact of the matter is now, um, you know, we're in a position to where like there's probably a lot of people fighting for small town sheriff jobs right now. Yeah. You, you go to work in a place like New York City or Philadelphia or Chicago and your starting wages are in the 40s in this economy. How, how is that? How is that even doable in New York? I don't know. Probably, probably 40s? a lot of people bunking up together. You know, they, they do get up to the 90s, and then obviously there's teams and departments that all are... They must just be working shit tons of overtime to live. Well, they probably have and to. And doing those uh, moonlight gigs that they're allowed to do also. We all know they're short-staffed. Yeah. So, but uh, Donald Trump went in hard on on back in the blue in, in this rally, and we, we thought it was great. It got one of the biggest standing ovations of the, mm-hmm. of the whole event. Let's hear it. Under Joe Biden last year, murders hit their highest rate we think ever in the history of our country. Under a Republican Congress, we should pass emergency funding to hire thousands more police officers, which we'll be doing nationwide to put violent criminals behind bars and keep them behind bars. Leave our police alone. Mm. Let them do their job and give them back the respect they deserve. Yeah, really awesome to hear that and uh, and to hear, you know, how he, because he he knows. He, he lived in New York his entire life, and, and you know, he, he saw it firsthand. He, he was there through who was there before Mayor Dinkins and then, you know, what happened when, when Rudy Giuliani came in, uh, night and day, literally. Mm-hmm. And after Rudy Giuliani left, we've seen a shift towards the radical progressive left's agenda, and, and we're in... <laughs> The place where we live now till, you know, we have Geisha on the show uh, all the time. And, and she'll be back in, in August as well, which we're always looking forward to. But it, it's it's unlivable. Like, you don't know what's going to happen when you walk down the street. It's not like, okay, if you're, like, a vulnerable type person, a woman walking alone or younger kids, like, something bad might happen to you. Now it's just, like, regular people walking down the street. People walk behind you. They punch you in the back of the head and then... Listen, no, I'm going to send you a video later. It was, it's on the New York Post Twitter. There were people driving around the city this weekend. No joke. Running people over, stopping getting out and robbing them. They, oh, they caught it on a security cam. Work smart, not harder. These guys are driving in a little sedan. There's a guy walking towards the end of the sidewalk. He's about to get in the crosswalk. He's waiting right at, like, the, the light post. These guys come into frame, hop the curb, completely obliterate this guy. Flip him over. The guy's, like, on the ground. The car pulls up to, like, right where the camera is. The two guys get out, go through all his pockets, take everything, take his shoes, get back in the car, drive away. Well, if you hit him with a car, usually you get knocked out of your shoes, so it saves a step. <laughs> Actually, I think one of his shoes did come off. <laughs> but if, if you haven't Fuck. seen that at, that video yet, it's on the New York Post Twitter. Well, and it just goes to show, it's like we've allowed things to basically just devolve to the point where you're not safe anywhere. You anywhere. think you're safe walking on the sidewalk? Boom. You think you're safe? Like, I just saw a video. I have no idea where it was from. Uh, it looked like the guy was, like, opening his garage door, and then some dude rolls up behind him. Fucking gun jams. Mm. Like, the guy, like, tried to clear the jam. Obviously, he didn't really understand the how the gun worked, most likely. Maybe it was a high point. I don't know. <laughs> uh, tried multiple times to shoot this guy as the guy's, like, trying to get in his neighbor's gate, and then just fucks off because he couldn't shoot him. It's like, what? It's insanity. 
And and this is the shit. Like they they would have caught that guy, or if they do identify him, he'll be out the next day, yeah. regardless. Oh, it's not attempted murder. No, this gun was a piece of shit. Didn't even work. Just let him go. Yeah, this is what it's come down to in, in a lot of our major cities right now. And, you know, it's it's starting to... Major Democrat cities. Funnel into the suburbs, unfortunately, as well. Um, Donald Trump was at this rally, it was Save America rally, for, you know, all the candidates that he's endorsed so far in, in, in Arizona. We had uh, Carrie Lake, Blake Masters, Mark Fincham, Abe Hamaday, and then late addition to the party was Eli Crane, who's running for a house seat there, Arizona 2. And... I'm bummed we didn't get to run into Carrie Lake. Yeah, I mean, I mean, she gave us wave, but yep. besides that, so it it sucks when you have that cute kid sitting by you because she went up and shook her hand, uh, but but you know, it's it's one of those things that um, we we get to hear from some of the candidates that are running right now, and at the top of the ticket with Carrie Lake and Blake Masters, they were the ones that took the stage with Donald Trump once he was out there. Uh, we're gonna hear from the senatorial candidate right now. I've got two clips for him and two clips clips for Carrie, and we'll we'll talk about uh. You know, the messages that they got out there is they're continuing to surge in the polls and are looking as strong as ever. Who's looking forward to getting rid of Mark Kelly in November? If you know one thing about Mark Kelly, it's that he was an astronaut. Oh, this is the best. Have you heard about this? Shut up, Mark. Do your job. Mark Kelly is completely disconnected from what life is like here on planet Earth. Whatever it is that an astronaut does nowadays, <laughs> special space research, I don't know, I'm sure Mark Kelly's really good at it. Fake Let's send confirmed. him back to space. He can take care of all of that. And this after promising Arizonans that he was gonna be an independent, that he was gonna be a moderate. And you know what? He lied. The Democrats inherited a stable situation thanks to President Trump, and they've turned it into an absolute dumpster fire. Absolutely, I blame them for destroying our country. But you know else, you know who else deserves some blame? The weak-willed establishment Republicans who stood idly by and let it happen. Yep. You know who I'm talking about, so-called conservative leaders, who apparently are too weak to conserve anything. Why don't we ban Chinese nationals from buying up all the American farmland? Makes sense. And I promise you, we are going to investigate and prosecute Anthony Fauci. Mm. Arizona, make me your nominee so we can beat Mark Kelly. Put America first and finish the work that President Trump got started. Thank you. Yep. No, it was good, it was good to hear Blake. And that was from his pregame speech right there. We're going to hear an excerpt from inside the rally when President Trump called him up on stage in just a sec. But, you know, there, there's been a lot of stuff coming out lately in regards to the, the financial backing of Blake Masters. We know he came from Silicon Valley and, uh, you know, operated in the tech world for a long time and that he's financially backed by uh, Peter Thiel. Uh, the Thiel Group, and that the money that's been poured into Arizona is reportedly somewhere between eight and ten million dollars for his campaign. Wow! To which a lot of people have said, you know, this is big money coming from. Listen, good, good. Somebody put in a shit posting article about that the other day. I quoted it and just said, good. Who gives a fuck? Listen, it's not just going to be these establishment type business people 
that come in here and talk about lowering taxes and figuring out a way to comprehensively solve the immigration problem, which Mm -hmm. in turn means amnesty. Blake's ideas are new. They're bold. They mirror the president's message. And as long as he upholds those things, once he gets into the Senate, I could care less how much money is getting funded and thrown his way, especially by, you know, people that he worked with. Blake Masters was like at the top of the the corporate ladder of that country uh, with Peter and, you know, he, he changed his title when, when he obviously ran for public office. But the fact of the matter is, is that and, and there's there's allegations that that Peter Thiel is is funding privately um, a lot of other Senate governor and House campaigns. across Good. Yeah. It's about time people with, with a lot of money got involved in, in the conservative movement and the Save America movement and get out there and uh, start getting behind these candidates, because these are the ones that, um, you know, we really need to uh, get in there and change up the way we're thinking. And all the people that are talking shit about it, like when it's people on their side, they're doing the exact same thing. They're not a peep. Yeah. To me, Blake Masters gives off vibes. He's like due to, due to his youth and how he's connected to, you know, that age demographic. He, he reminds me of like a combination of like Matt Gates and Rand Paul, the things that he stumps on and the way he talks. And will probably ask questions during congressional inquiries. And then, you know, some of the base stuff he says in regards to like, he does some pretty good shit posts. And like I said, out of all the campaign videos that have come out across the country, Blake Masters has the finest uh, out there. Well, Probably tied with Eric Greitens because the video quality of Eric Greitens aren't the best, but the content is. Mm-hmm. All he does is like drive big four by fours and blow shit up in all of his yeah, campaign videos. Amazing. So we we can't really uh you know do anything with that. Oh, we do have kind of a stake exclusive here. In addition to well Dan Cox, who's going to get in, endorsed by Cash Patel, we've reached out to uh, Eric Greitens' campaign, who's running you know in the Senate race there in, in Missouri, and his campaign manager just texts me and thanks us for connecting them and cash Patel is officially endorsed nice Eric Greitens for the U S Senate in Missouri as well. Boom. Let's jump back into the rally. When Blake masters was called up on stage by president Trump, he wanted to do a lot of things and talk about parts of his agenda. But I think, uh, one of the things that a lot of these people who are endorsed by president Trump should be doing is, uh, thanking him for saving this country. Do you agree with me? Did president Trump literally save this country? Because look, I knew that Biden-Harris was going to be bad. You knew that Biden-Harris was going to be bad. Mm -hmm. But I'll be honest, I'm shocked (laughs) at how quickly they've been able to deliver all this chaos and destruction. But here's the thing. If we're suffering this badly after not even two years of Biden-Harris, imagine how bad things would be if we were right now in year six of a Hillary Clinton regime. Mm. That's a good point. (laughs) Never gets old. No. I think after six years of Hillary Clinton, that might be game over. I think that literally would have been the end of this republic. And Donald J. Trump saved us from that fate. And he did so much more. He delivered on his promises. He saved this country once. And I don't know about you, but I got a feeling that he's just getting started. 
So thank you, sir. On behalf of all of us, on behalf of Arizona, thank you for inspiring us and for fighting for America. We're going to win. Thank you, and God bless you. I like it. And I like him. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's definitely a new flavor. It's not. We, we don't have a lot of people like Blake Masters uh, in the House and in the Senate, and, and I think he brings a lot of different things to the table. I like how he is not really personally connected to things like the military, like to what's going on on the southern border, uh, to, to like just, you know, just based off of his lifestyle, how crime affects the every average, the everyday average American. However, he's tied those things into the top of his platform, which means he's dialed into the, you know, issues that are affecting the people that are going to be his eventual constituents. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we got a big primary coming up on August 2nd, and we're going to see just how, uh, Good, these candidates that are running, look, getting over the finish line there. Miss Carrie Lake was up next in her quest to become the next governor of Arizona and and eventually become the gold standard for the uh, governors who are, you know, in office right now across the country. And she she, she had some good messages to talk about. You know, her, her pregame speech was great. She, she stumped on a lot of the issues and, and talked about her relationship with President Trump and how those tie into the things that she wants to do in Arizona. Um, you know, ending crime, fixing elections, the fentanyl and homeless crisis there. But her number one platform is going to be, I mean, she said it over and over again, day one, hand on Bible, day one, a write a letter, uh, executive order saying that the state of Arizona is under invasion on the Southern border. They're going to immediately start, you know, constructing the wall, sending people back, uh, people that are national guard. Yep. National guard previously deported felons and things like that are now going to be put in jail and then removed immediately. Uh, after their sentences and stuff like that. And we're, we're not going to be seeing the stuff that's going on across the country right now. Like, listen, you want to just talk about Arizona. Uh, Tucson's had hundreds of thousands of people come in in the last month and a half. And we've seen some great comprehensive reporting from one of our great friends, Jorge Ventura, down there. But uh, Carrie Lake was talking about a couple bit, you know, a little bit different flow when she was up there in regards to just normal campaign issues. She's, she's an extremely spiritual woman. She's tied directly, uh, strongly to her faith and, and, and wanted to talk about... Uh, well, the way she spun it had the crowd kind of cheering and then laughing and then cheering even harder. Let's hear it. Now, the most important thing, the most important thing is we got to bring him back. See what she did there? No, I'm not, I'm not talking about who you think, but I do agree with you on that. We've got to bring him back. Right? When we kicked God out, that is when our troubles began. And we got to invite God back into our culture. We've got to invite God back into our homes. And we have got to invite back in God back into our hearts. Because let me tell you something. God is on our side. And with God's help, we will win this and we will save this republic. Because when you have God on your side and you have America first policies, we are all going to live a better life because of that. Mm. Don't disagree with anything she said there. What do you think, Noah? Yeah. 
I tell you what, you could hear those people that, you know, you get the ovations at the end of talking points, but if you really listen to while she's talking, there are so many people like individually screaming, like we love you. And yeah, she's a fucking rock star there. Yeah. Like everybody that's running on that ticket is loved. Like they get real Blake masters got like a really good, really loud, really long reception. And, uh, but Carrie Lake, it's like, she has rock star status there. It's, it's something that's a little bit different than everybody on the ticket. And, you know, it's one of those things that well, she was out in the crowd or uh, just in the walkways of yep. the, the arena too, just cruising around at the food court, taking and, pictures. Yeah. yeah, she she's she's doing it right, and uh, you know it, we, we definitely feel like it's going to uh, have her successfully secure the nomination on August second, and then God, I hope so parlay that into being the next governor of Arizona. I mean, when you're running on just the things that are negatively affecting this country right now, it's almost like a no brainer. She she did kind of parlay her intro of bringing God back into our lives, into, you know, her relationship with Donald Trump and uh, talked about that a little bit. Let's hear her again. President Trump taught us how to fight and I took a few notes. That's why I go after the fake news because he showed us how to do it. He gave us the game plan and he showed us exactly how to stand up and fight and Republicans need to fight back. Now listen, we can't sit back and wait for Superman to come, come in and rescue us right now. We can't wait for Superman to rescue us right now. We have to stand up, we've got to vote, we've got to get active, we have to make sure we tell our friends to vote, and we have to be running for office, running for school board. Each and every one of us has to get involved. Use your God-given gifts and get involved to save this country. Mm. Definitely got to be using those a little bit more. And uh, no, we like the message. It, it was good. She she gave two good speeches, as did Blake Masters, and uh, it, it was really good to hear you know the things that they're running on and, and their appreciation for President Trump coming out in in what's probably emotional time for him and his family on such short notice. Uh, you're talking about that was five days after the funeral, two weeks since his ex died. Two and a half weeks since Shinzo Abe was assassinated. And, uh, you know, we got to just continue to support these candidates as they're moving along and into the dog days of summer and right to the end of uh, campaign season. One of the things we talked about in our in our first segment with Cash Patel, more specifically, we'll, we'll hear the 45th president weigh in on it right now. So we all know that Trump endorsed America First candidate Dan Cox defeated Larry Hogan in the uh, – Maryland gubernatorial race last week to secure the nomination um, for the general election in November. No, are you familiar with Larry Hogan? Not you, especially. You ever seen him before? Kind of looks like one of the pig people from Return of the Jedi. <laughs> Gamorrean guard? Yeah, definitely a never-Trumper. Uh, tried to grift off him a little bit. You know, had presidential aspirations, this, that, and the other thing. But Donald Trump weighed in on that victory. Not so much in congratulating Dan Cox, but more of, shit posting on nice. Larry Hogan. Let's hear it. So much for Larry Hogan's presidential ambition. All he has to do is look into a mirror and he'll say it's not going to work. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a good little knock at him. And, uh, you know, I tell you what, we've said it. Everybody's seen it. Everybody knows it. Donald Trump loyalty is number one. Yep. 
You consider yourself a Republican, conservative, even if you want to put your toe in the water, that is America first. You betray him and it's over forever. Um, you know, it, it's one of those things. And, and we're, we're talking about people who have worked with him and, and they work together. We're not talking like instances of like, oh, well, J.D. Vance was never Trump. Or, yeah, but he never first was with Donald Trump and then, you know, tried to come back after betraying him. This was just he came out as a Republican that was against him, saw what Trump ever policies did for the people of Ohio and then reformed his uh, outlook on life and all things politics to, you know, spin it into becoming an America first candidate and eventually got that Trump endorsement. Now he's the nominee. Just like Dan Cox. So we're going to get into uh, the outro now. And, you know, I've been saying for the f- throughout the course of the first two segments that there was a little bit different flavor to this. It's kind of hard to explain, but y- you had to be there or physically watch it on TV to know. We always play the outro on our show. And it's probably one of the most important and specifically tailored portions of the rally because he talks about the things that are directly affecting there. He talks about what the, you know, that state that he's in was founded on some of the most important people who came up historically there and why having these America first candidates that he's endorsing get into elected office is the most important thing and probably uh, beneficial for the people who live there. But it's a long one. And when you want to talk about some of the emotional stuff that he's going through right now, you could hear... Not only does he really go off teleprompter, he goes off teleprompter for a really long time and talks about specific things that have negatively affected him and his family um, from the radical progressive left over the course of the last however long it's been since, you know, he's been feeling this way. But we're going to get into it right now. So it's kind of like uh, the first act from a movie. And uh, hope you all enjoy. In conclusion... having a good time. Is there any place better than a Trump rally? Is there any place better? And I'm sorry we couldn't do it last Saturday, but that was a rough, that was a rough day last Saturday, so I appreciate that. We had big crowds that had to be turned back, and you're all here today, so we appreciate it very much. Very much. Our MAGA movement, Make America Great Again. Make America Great Again is by far the greatest political movement in the history of our country, not even close. They don't even challenge it, the fake news. Together, we're standing up against some of the most menacing forces, entrenched interests, and vicious opponents our people have ever seen before. A friend of mine recently said that I was the most persecuted person in the history of our country. And I said, that's a strong statement. But then I thought about it, and I felt, you know, he may very well be right. We had a Russia, Russia, Russia investigation that was covered religiously by the fake news media, even though they knew it was a false story. It turned out to be a concocted fairy tale made up by crooked Hillary Clinton, the Democrats, and a sleazeball writer named Christopher Steele. And in coordination with, of all things, Russia. Can you imagine? They, they were the ones that were coordinating with Russia. Then I had impeachment hoax number one, impeachment hoax number two. And by the way, we had, other than the Romneys of the world and the Murkowskis and those people, you don't count them. We had tremendous support from the Republican Party. Impeachment hoax number one, impeachment hoax number two. I thought number one, we were done. I said, what a great victory. A couple of weeks went by and they said, we're going to do it again for a different subject. Think of it. I got impeached over a phone call congratulating 
somebody for winning an election. So we had number two, and then we had the Mueller investigation resulting in a verdict of no collusion. Who has been through anything like what I've been through? Seriously. Who? Certainly no politician and definitely no president. A president leaves office, and it's supposed to be a wonderful life. And all this while I was doing so much as president, including the most secure border in American history, as we said, tax cuts that were the largest ever, regulatory cuts that were the largest ever, $1.87 gasoline, no inflation, low interest rates, record growth in real wages, and historic Abraham Accords bringing peace to the Middle East. If we were in there now, you would have had every country signed up. They haven't signed one country since we left. Now we have the January 6th Unselect Committee of political hacks. And it's the very same people who perpetrated the lies that I was an agent of Russia. I'm an agent of Russia. You know, during the campaign, right after we came down the escalator, right, in Trump Tower, we came down, and young staffers would come up to me. I see a lot of people. And they say, sir, it's such an honor to meet you. Sir, do you, do you know anything about Russia? I say, not much, really. No, not too much. Why, why do you ask? Oh, I just want to know, sir. And then a month later, somebody else would come by. Sir, sir, it's an honor to meet you. Sir, do you know anything about Russia? No. Huh. I wonder why that was asked. And then again and again, four or five times, I, the fifth time, I said, what the hell is going on with Russia? It was a hoax. It was a phony, sick hoax. And we had people like Shifty Adam Schiff and others. who stand before the same microphones, the exact same microphones, doing the exact same thing as they did with Russia, Russia, Russia. Think of it to tell you how bad a person is, right? So Adam Schiff is a sleazeball. Everybody knows it. Not a dumb person, by the way. You know, we're not dealing with dummies, but he's a sleazeball. You take a look. A perfect watermelon head. You know, he's and he's angry with Biden because he was supposed to get a job in the administration and they didn't want him. But he goes up, and he's a smart guy, goes up to the microphones. Thank you, thank you very much. This is a sad day for America. Donald Trump Jr. has a relationship with Russia. And the, you know, they know it's a fake deal because they're, they're more fake than Adam Schiff. And they're all going click, click, click. Now think of this, just think of this. Here's a young guy, Don Jr., he's a good kid. He's been through hell. He's been through hell. They had him in, I think, 28 hours before a committee headed up by somebody that was a Republican who perhaps is an inside trader. I don't know what the hell is going to happen to Burr, mm. but headed up by Burr. Many, many, many hours asking him about nothing. Ask him the same thing over and over. But think of Schiff. He says to the press, and he made up the story with Hillary Clinton. And these, so they know the story is fake. They know the whole Russia thing is made up. In fact, today, the New York Times, of all people, did a story, their number one columnist, or one of their top columnists, that it was a fake deal. They actually admitted it. Oh, good, now we can sue them, can't we? Because <laughs> they've admitted it. But, but think of it. 
So he made this story up with Hillary Clinton, the DNC, the Democrats, uh, all of these people. They made it up. They knew it was fake. What kind of a man, knowing that, would say, Donald Trump Jr. will be sent to prison? Prison. My son is going to be sent to prison because of what he did with Russia. And they know it was fake. What human being would say that somebody's going to prison on a story that they concocted? How bad is this scum in our country? How bad is it? Where does it stop? Where does it end? And it probably doesn't stop because despite the great outside dangers that we have, and we do, right back to the we could end up in World War III over what's happening with Russia and Ukraine because our people don't have a clue what they're doing. Our biggest threat remains the sick, sinister, and evil people like him and many others, but people that are within our country, not just Russia and China and the more <laughs> obvious. I think it's a bigger threat, what's happening inside our country. Never forget, everything this corrupt establishment is doing to me is all about preserving their power and control over the American people, for whatever reason. They want to damage me in any form so I can no longer represent you. They will damage yep. me in any form they can. I watched this hoax last night where a young lady said, oh, I'm so heartbroken. But three weeks after January 6th, she wrote us a letter saying, oh, I loved working for the president. He's so great. <laughs> it's funny how that happens. Yes, she put out a tweet. Now it would be a truth, hopefully. <laughs> but she put out something. Oh, it was such a great honor to serve our president. And then all of a sudden, she's out there. This is long after the January 6th. Or the other one where she goes out and she said that it's just not my deal. I love Secret Service. They're great. They're incredible people. They're brave people. They're strong, powerful, smart, brilliant. No, think of this. She said, I got into the beast. Well, it wasn't the beast. It wasn't the beast. The beast is a specific car. I got into the beast. And I grabbed the steering wheel to make it go down to... Now, you know, I have a guy sitting there who can lift 300 pounds. I don't know. If, I don't think I can. I don't think... I don't want to say I know I can't, which I do. I know I can't. But these are strong, tough people. I grabbed the wheel. I don't even know if you could fit through there. Have to lose some weight. I grabbed the wheel, but I was rebuffed. And instead, my hands went to the throat or something of the other Secret Service. Now, this guy lifts like 300 pounds or 350. And he's a very tough guy. But think of it. What person would... I mean, I'm the president of the United States. And can you imagine this made-up story? It is total fiction. And I say thank God for the great people in the Secret Service because they put out a statement that it wasn't true. That it wasn't true. Terrible. Then they have me throwing food. Throwing food in the White House. I don't throw food in the White House. I don't throw food anywhere. I eat the food, which is a problem. I'd probably be better off if I threw it. I think the next time I should throw it. I won't eat it. I'll be much better off. But I'm throwing food in the White House. I don't do that. I have too much respect for the White House and too much respect for people to do it. And they know that wasn't true, too. 
But they don't call back the Secret Service. You know, the Secret Service wants to testify and say it wasn't true. But they won't let him testify because they don't want to hear the answer. It's just a horrible thing that's going on in our country. It's sick. And the fake news media is totally complicit. These are very dishonest people, many of them. If I renounced my beliefs, and if I agreed to stay silent, and if I stayed home and took it easy, if I announced that I was not going to run any longer for political office, the persecution of Donald Trump would immediately stop. You know that, right? Immediately stop. They would go on to the next victim. But that's not what I do. I can't do that. I can't do that. Can't do that. Because I love this country and I love you. I love you. There's never been anything like this in history. There's never been, look at this crowd. I mean, with, uh, with two days notice, look at this crowd. And by the way, outside the place was packed with people trying to get in. But you got the seats, congratulations. But they're coming after me because I'm standing up for you. It's very simple. And I'm not doing this for me. Because I had a very good and luxurious life before entering the wonderful world of politics. I'm doing it for you. And it's my honor to do it. I will tell you, it's my honor. Because if I don't do it, I truly believe our nation is doomed to become another Venezuela or become another Soviet Union or become another large-scale version of Cuba where all is lost and there is no hope. There's no hope. But no matter how big or powerful these corrupt radicals may be, you must never forget this nation does not belong to them. This nation belongs to you, belongs to you. This is your home. This is your heritage. And our American liberty is your God-given right. Your God-given right. They want to take that right away. They want to take God away. From Phoenix to Prescott, from Flagstaff to Florence, and from Mesa to Yuma, to the Red Rocks of Sedona, we stand on the shoulders of red-blooded American patriots who poured out their heart, sweat, and soul for our country and our freedom. This great state, Arizona, was settled by some of the toughest men and strongest women ever to walk the face of the earth. Arizona is where Wyatt Earp and Doc Holliday became American legends. You know that? It's where the great American West became the great American dream. And I flew over it just a little while ago, and I've never seen anything like some of the beautiful sights underneath that airplane. I almost said, let's delay it a little bit. Let's do a little circle. I want to keep looking. There's nothing like what I saw. And Arizona is the state where generations of pioneers and prospectors, miners and ranchers, Cowboys and cattle hands, marshals and 
lawmen like these two guys up there that we love. Tamed the frontier, braved the blazing sun, and showed the entire world how the West was won. They gave everything they had to make America into the greatest nation in the history of the world. But now we are a nation in decline. We are a failing nation. We are a nation that has the highest inflation in over 49 years. And where the stock market just finished the worst first half of the year since 1872. Mm. Likewise, we are a nation that has the highest energy cost in its history by far. We're no longer energy independent or energy dominant as we were just two short years ago. We are a nation that is begging Venezuela, Saudi Arabia, and many other countries for oil. Please, please, please help us, he says. Yet we have more liquid gold right under our feet than any other country in the world. We are a nation that is consumed by the radical left's Green New Deal. Yet everyone knows that the Green New Deal will lead to our destruction. We are a nation that surrendered in Afghanistan, leaving behind dead soldiers, American citizens, and $85 billion worth of the finest brand new military equipment anywhere in the world. And we are a nation that allowed Russia to devastate a country, Ukraine, killing hundreds of thousands of people. And you know it will only get worse. There's nobody to talk to anybody. <laughs> it would never have happened with me as your Commander-in-Chief, and for four long years it didn't. We are a nation that has weaponized its law enforcement against the opposing political party, I've never seen anything like it. The investigations of politicians, it's just never ending. Me, everything I do, if I pick, make a phone call, he's under investigation. We have breaking news. After six years of listening, some people must be getting tired of it. <laughs> We're a nation that no longer has a free press or a fair press. Fake news is all we get, and they're the true enemy of the people. And it's so important that they straighten themselves out. Because if they don't, it's going to be a very tough climb back. They were the policemen and women of our country. They would write fair, true, tough stories, and they'd seek out crime. Today, they don't seek out crime if it happens to be Democrat-inspired. They don't seek it out. They won't even write about it. We are a nation where free speech is no longer allowed where crime is rampant like never before, where the economy has been collapsing, where more people died of COVID in 2021 than they did in 2020 with all of the talk. We are a nation that is allowing Iran to build a massive nuclear weapon, which they incredibly are doing right now. They weren't doing it with me. They wouldn't have even given it a shot. And China to use the trillions and trillions of dollars that is taken from us over many, many years to build a military that they want to more than rival ours. I wonder why they want that. And just two years ago, we had Iran 
China, Russia, and North Korea. Remember North Korea, how tough that was? And he became absolutely fine. Kim Jong-un, remember how bad that was? It was going to be nuclear war, according to Obama. We're going to have a war. I said, have you ever called him? Have you ever spoken to him? No. He did actually try to speak to him, and they didn't take the call, but that's the way it is. <laughs> but we did great with North Korea. Thanks now so they're well. acting up again. But they weren't going to do anything against us, and everyone knows it. Even the other side said Russia would never have happened if Trump were there. And perhaps most importantly, we are a nation that is no longer respected or listened to around the world. We are a nation that, in many ways, has become a joke has become a joke. What a sad thing to say. And we are a nation that is hostile to liberty, freedom, and faith. We are a nation whose economy is floundering, whose stores are not stocked, whose deliveries are not coming, and whose educational system is ranked at the bottom of every list. We are not going to let this continue in our country. Two years ago, we had the greatest economy that the world has ever seen. We had the greatest economy. We were leapfrogging China. We were doing much better than everybody. But we don't even talk about that anymore. All we do is talk about things that are going to only destroy our country from the inside. But we will have greatness again. It was hardworking patriots like you who built this country, and it is hardworking patriots like you who are going to save our country. We will stand up to the radical left lunatics and the rhinos, and we will fight for America like no one has ever fought before. There is no mountain we cannot climb. There is no summit we cannot reach. There is no challenge we cannot meet. and There is no victory we cannot have. We will not bend. We will not break. We will not yield. We will never give in. We will never give up. We will never, ever, ever, ever back down. Mm. Extra ever in there this week. Mm. As long as we are confident and unified, the tyrants we are fighting do not stand even a chance. Because we are Americans, and Americans kneel to God and God alone. My fellow citizens, this incredible journey we are on together has only just begun. And it is time to start talking about greatness for our country again. Greatness, greatness, greatness for our country again. We are one movement, one people, one family, and one glorious American nation. So with the help of everyone here today and the citizens all across our land, we will make America powerful again. We will make America wealthy again. We will make America strong again. We will make America proud again. We will make America safe again. And we will make America great again. Thank you, Arizona. Thank you. Thank you.
What do you think, Noah? A little bit of a different flavor than some of the outros that we've played over the course of the Save America Rally Circuit. But it was a long one. It was good, though. Definitely some issues being rehashed that uh, we haven't seen in a minute. You know, some things are probably on his mind, and he wants to get it out there to the American people to let them know. Well, I think part of it is he puts a personal aspect to it. You know, it's a spin that not a lot of politicians can do and ones that they can't get away with. But um, when he does it, it's genuine. And uh, I think that's one of the big things that really resonates with all the people who, you know, like I said, you, you wheel out any politician over the course of the last 30, 40 years that would try to do something similar to this. And on a f- as frequent basis Mm-mm. as Donald Trump does never happen. No. Mike Pence was a sparkling example of that. Um, he, he can grift off of everything that positively happened throughout the course of the four years that he was vice president of the United States. But then he goes and puts 300 people in a high school gym when Donald Trump has 15, 20,000 in an arena like a hundred miles away. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. Like, I mean, a reschedule, like just the amount of money that it costs us to reschedule. Mm-hmm. Like there's people where they wouldn't have been able to come back yeah, and, and go again. So the fact that he filled that place up with people outside waiting to come in on a reschedule with two days notice. Shows the drawing And power. how long, how long has Pence been planning his months? Probably 300 people. Yep, and there's the pictures online to support it. So, well, we're going to stay in the same thread, and, and we're going to talk about SAS after we uh, sit down with another America First candidate who's going to be joining us for the first time right here in just a minute. All right, joining us next on the show today, he's an America First conservative running to represent Missouri 4 in the upcoming midterm elections, U.S. House of Representatives. Kyle LeBrew, thanks for coming us on Steak for Breakfast. Hey, my pleasure to be here, man. Uh, I love programs like yours that put out a conservative voice in this crazy world we live in and uh i'm excited to be here yeah we're really uh fortunate to have you we've been tracking you for a while trying to get you on the show you know our schedules crisscross here and there but uh missouri is a state that we've kept in laser focus for you know for about a year now um former governor Greitens is a great guest of our show he comes on at least once a month and uh, kind of gives us some reporting from the ground, what the pulse is like in Missouri. Why don't you let our listenership hear about what the uh, you know demographic and kind of pulse right now is in Missouri for? So, so as we get out and we're going from you know small town to small town, for those of you that don't know anything about the Missouri Four, it's mostly made up of rural towns. So it's as close to the heartbeat of America as you can think of. I mean, these people are farmers, they're truck drivers. They're business owners. And something that I'm hearing every place that I'm going to, which would be no surprise, is how are you going to help us with the gas prices? How are you going to help our everyday cost of living be fixed? I like to say the American people are are tired of of waiting on promises. They want solutions for today. And that's what each one of them say. What are you going to do for me? And uh, for me, I I think we got to start providing transparency and we got to get back to America first. Uh, If you go back and look, my wife and I were listening to another podcast today. It was 17 things that Biden did. And it was interesting because it was actually told from a a leftist view. They thought these were all great things. But one of the first things that he did was he shut down all of our major infrastructure for our oil and gas of this country. And it's, it's reflected in the numbers. I mean, you see that it's hurting our farmers. It's hurting our everyday Americans, even like, on the daily uh, in my business, I've got a lot of guys that are just making it from paycheck to paycheck and they're calling me going, Hey, can you just give me a hundred dollars so I can make it at work this week? And, uh, that's reflective on what the, what, what the gas prices are doing to the average small American family. 
Yeah, gas prices and inflation are right there as one and one A as the two major concerns. Uh, we hear is and, and see, you know, with all the guests we have on, it, it doesn't matter what part of the country we're in. You know, we've had House, Senate, and, and gubernatorial candidates everywhere from, like, you know, Doug Mastriano in Pennsylvania, Dan Cox in Maryland, Carrie Lake out in Arizona. And, you know, you talk to everybody that's running in Senate seats, whether it's Herschel Walker in Georgia or Adam Lexalt in Nevada, which is, you know, Nevada is like a tourist town and, and a place where snowbirds go and it's extremely transient. You know, they do have a lot of business there and industrial stuff going on. But, you know, for the most part, you would never think that places like Nevada would be like in the top two, three in inflation and top two, three in gas prices in the country. But this is what happens when the, like you said, out of the 17 things probably that Joe Biden's done, one of his campaign promises was to completely end the energy sector no drilling, no fracking, no nothing anywhere. And he kind of kept his deal on that. And and we're really feeling it. You know, they're bragging how gas prices is down 30 or 40 cents over the last couple of months. Out here in Southern California, it's over $6 for regular still. So uh, it's it's no big deal. I mean, there's not much of a difference once you get past like five bucks when you get into the sixes and the sevens. It's been almost eight down here uh, at one point last month. And, uh, you know, that's that seems like uh, from this place that sounds as bellwethery as Missouri Four, it seems like they're pretty dialed into, uh, you know, those big national issues that are of the most importance to the common voter. Yeah, I think people are just, you know, there's a lot of squ- squabble that goes between the left and the right. And I think the average American is just tired of it. They're like, I don't care about what your problems are. I, I need to address what my problems are in my life. You know, and, and I don't want to beat a dead horse, but when you look at when it costs a hundred dollars to fill up your gas tank and some of these people's, you know, monthly income is fifteen hundred, two thousand dollars. Sure. That's that's a major that's a major thorn in your side. You shouldn't you shouldn't have to live in an America where you know, we have a president that's going over and begging a Saudi royal prince to bring our gas prices down fifty cents. Yeah. And the we, only the we, only thing we need you know? Yeah, no, we certainly do. And we have all the capabilities to do it. We have, uh, you know, the infrastructure set up to be self-sufficient. We have more than enough resources right under our feet. And it's this whole catering to the, uh, you know, globalist green energy, whatever they want to do with it. That's, that's really putting our country in a bind right now. And uh, if you look at geopolitics levels of it, I think some of the biggest players that have made out, I mean, you have Russia right now, so supposedly they were hit with the you know hardest sanctions in the history of sanctions, and you've seen their currency reach all-time highs. You've seen them be able to you know tell other countries how much oil and or natural gas, if any, they'll be sending them anymore. And uh, you've seen their economy kind of flourish uh, since the crisis in Ukraine happened. And it's pretty interesting to see that the only people that have been hurt are the major players in the in the game. England's lost its leader. Germany's in an energy crisis. Italy's lost its leader. And then, of course, what's going on in the United States right now, it's uh, pretty funny to see. We, we kind of had that one. It was like, uh, you know, the old cartoons where they hold the firecracker and it blows up right in their face. Yeah, we, we lost our leader, uh, our our uh, a president sucks at riding bikes, and he's he's even worse <laughs> at being a president. He sure you is. Know, uh, that that seems to be kind of the, the mode of operation right now. Is you know we have weak leadership, and and nobody in the world respects us because they seem that we went from from being you know what it looked like a rocket ship taking off our economy, and all of a sudden it is flatlining and then it's starting to head back down. And I think people uh, in in the globe are going. What's going on over there? 
you know, and we, we've got to get a hold of that fast. You know, it doesn't take long for America to be on a, a downward spiral and we're starting there. So we got to get leadership in right now. that's going to put America first and go, we got to get back to those principles that President Donald Trump put in place, which was America first, fair trade agreements, being in, in energy independent. I mean, I know it's almost it's 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 redundant, but without these things, we have no base to stand on. We can't climb back up to where we were if we don't get our base. And you know, the problem with energy independence is it's not like a switch. It's not like you just flip it on and tomorrow we're going to have energy independence again. Sure, it's going to take time. But the best time to start is today, not tomorrow. Remove the red tape, get as many lease permits in place uh, for these oil companies to actually get going again. And uh, I think that, that, that that could solve a lot of problems for the American family because everything that we touch in this country is affected by petroleum. Yeah, and you know what? If we started to reinvest in ourselves again, like you just said, Kyle, uh, you would see gas prices start to come down because, you know, OPEC plus eight, you know, they, they would know – uh, we were eventually going to get there, so they wouldn't want to manipulate the system uh, once we started down that path again. And in addition to that, um, you know, it was it's pretty interesting that you mentioned those two points. We had Dr. Peter Navarro on the show with us uh, last Friday, and, you know, he was one of the top trade advisors, one of three who lasted all four years in the Trump administration. So you could tell how how good he must have been. But he, he said, just like you mentioned, America first starts with like that unbreakable triangle of energy independence and ending all foreign wars and, and then uh the the big triangle of, of what america first really means there's so many other different things it could branch off of there's border security there's you know law and order and all the other stuff fixing our education system but it's energy independence ending never ending wars and trade uh where we're not losing on the end of all of our trade agreements uh, we saw the the new canada mexico pack and then we saw you know nafta get taken out of there over the course of the Trump presidency. That was a huge America first there. And, and, you know, trade deals where we're not getting railroaded, like Joe Biden's about to, uh, you know, you want to talk about uh, being reliant on, on other people's food and stuff. He's about to drop the the tariffs on China, uh, which we saw, which was one of the things that Peter Navarro pushed so hard and Trump really had, you know, China and the CCP down to a knee. In regards to trade, we, we cut them down by like nearly three quarters of the money they were making off the United States. And if Joe Biden drops those taxes and tariffs again, we're going to see China getting one trillion dollars of money from us uh, again annually. And that's just ridiculous. Yeah, nobody else would do business that way. Nobody would say, yeah, I like to lose business to you. Or I like to lose money to you every year. Let's continue to do business. You know, and it's, it's really just that simple. If uh, everybody that you did business with around you, you lost money to, you wouldn't stay in business long at all. And, you know, it, and it seems about as simple as it gets. One thing I'd really like to do um, as I, if I get elected, when I get elected, is I'd like to introduce a bill called One Thing at a Time. It's not a new bill, but I feel like there's so much pork in all the bills that we put forward. Sure. What One Thing at a Time bill would do was it would be whatever we're, whatever we're talking about Let's say it's infrastructure. We're only talking about infrastructure. We're not putting in a thousand things on the back end. I think Americans are ready for transparency in, in their policies. And they don't want Joe Biden's friends putting in all of their little extra caveats on the back end just to try to put something forward that's good for Americans, you know. No, that makes um, a whole lot of sense because uh you know, how many times have we seen over the course, just just in, you know, with the Biden administration, Donald Trump used to do it when they would try to uh, 
get the omnibus pushed right at the last minute. But now we see all these other bills. It was the Green New Deal. It was the voter bill. It was Build Back Better. And, uh, you know, you, how many House representatives you'd see on the floor and they'd have something that looks like, you know, uh, just these ridiculously large. And it's like 4,000 pages. And it's like, yeah, they try to give it to us on Thursday and they say we're going to vote on it at 8 o'clock in the morning Friday. Like, who's supposed yeah. to read this? He's like, my whole floor doesn't have enough staff to go through this uh, between all the congressmen there uh, to, to even see what's in it. And if you read it, you wouldn't have any idea really what it is. It, it'd take time to break down. So I think we have to get back to, to you know, passing bills that actually make sense, that they're transparent, and the American people know what's in it. Because ultimately, the government doesn't have any product. You know, the government is not a business. They take money from our businesses. Right. And they use, for whatever, they use that money for whatever they want. And that's what I'm sick and tired of. And I think the American people are sick and tired of it. We're not... You know, everybody thinks that the government um, is supposed to serve the people, and it just simply isn't. Uh, one of my mottos is, let's remind the government that they work for you. And the way that you do that is by you know, cutting off these endless purse strings, you know, that just are these empty or endless pop, you know, money just, just pouring out of, uh, of our pockets to whatever they decide is, is the, the flavor of the day, whether it be, you know, transgender issues or you know salamanders in california or you know whatever crazy stuff they always have that they're allocating millions and millions of dollars for that they just it doesn't come out of nowhere yeah you know what i mean no we talk about it all the time whether it's like you said things from pronouns to ridiculous epas doublings triplings or quadruplings of the red tape all the way down to some of the other junk you know that that we're talking about here it's like they always seem to throw in that stuff that just makes no sense and it's a, the scratch your back so they could take it back to their constituents and be like oh see i got your new swing set for the park or you know some other thing like that but that's one of the things i want to talk to you about it's definitely more on on the democrat side right now especially since donald trump was in the white house uh, but we've seen too much of it in the Republican Party as well. Where has the big disconnect come from in the last little bit more than a half decade with, you know, it's just people used to be able to tolerate presidents and at the end of the day, broker deals that would, for the most part, benefit-ish the American people. And it just seems like now it's like on the Democrat side, you have people that's like, if they support nationalist populist or Donald Trump or America first, or, you know, they weren't all in on supporting the January 6th committee. We're never voting for them ever. And on the Republican side, it's either like, I don't want to get looked at in a certain way to always vote with Donald Trump, or I'm just going to vote against Donald Trump because I don't like him. And then I'm either going to get retired or primary. So I don't care. Where do you think that big disconnect in Washington DC came from? And, uh, you know, we see a huge new, crop of amazing candidates across the country we've been doing this for a while years now i've been a student of politics my entire adult life this is probably the most diverse and i'm not talking skin color i'm talking about what people are bringing to the table here it's a, so many different combinations of like education business private sector military uh former immigrants who are now citizens that, that have joined in this movement and want to change it. But where do you think the disconnect came from? What do you think we could do to get this country back on the right track? Well, it's as simple as it sounds. We've got to get back to being able to agree to disagree. You're not going to agree with everybody that you, you come in contact with. So find the things that you do agree on. Yep. I would say that both, both sides of the aisle, on average, are going to go, man, we want 
the we want America to be better for our families. We want we want food and we want energy to be more affordable. Most of us can get on board with that. I think if you did a if you did a poll, you would probably find that there is some of that, right? Um, but the, the the political world is so divisive right now. You see it as we're out and about. Uh, we were out door knocking. We've almost knocked thirty thousand doors. Wow. Uh, you know, we're old grassroots. We're looking at people eyeballs. And I, I give a guy, you know, in the business, they call it a, a push card or an informational card, but it has everything about me. He looks at it. He sees I'm pro-life. He sees that I'm pro-Second Amendment. He literally takes it and starts a fire with it. <laughs> You're going to have <laughs> a few of those regardless. Where we could just go, eh, you know, we don't see things. I'm not going to take your card. Have a good day, you know, but uh, things aren't that way anymore. You might you might find something interesting. I was you know in my district. It's 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 mostly Caucasian because it's central Missouri, but there are certain cities that are that, you know have a lot of different ethnicities. And I was in Columbia the other day, and there was quite a few African Americans, quite a few Hispanics, and you wouldn't you would have thought that that they were all Republicans, hmm. but most of them said no, we're 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 Democrats, but we are identifying with Republican politics right now. Because they were brought up conservative, they were brought up religiously, you know, with you know, treat others well, you know, try to try to raise a family, yep. be a good dad, be a good mom, those type of things. And uh, it was interesting to see how how the landscape of this this country is changing. I think the the left thinks that they have the minority vote in their pocket, and what they're finding out is that minorities are savages. You know, they they are just as hungry for the American dream as anybody else. Sure. And, and you see it and it's cool. It's cool to see uh, that this country of freedom really does produce people that want to chase the American dream. Yeah. No, I mean, you make a whole lot of sense. I think the walk away movement right now, uh, you know, you see the polls on TV and you know, even those numbers are skewed, but uh, some of the averages that you've been seeing consistently now is that, you know, independence, somewhere in the sixties Democrats high thirties to low forties of walking away or now identifying with the Republican party. And that's not, that is any, that has nothing to do with Donald Trump. It doesn't have anything to do with necessarily the candidates that are running right now, but the things that the Democrats are pushing, uh, green energy pronouns, open borders, no law and order anywhere. And, And then of course, like, you know, all of those things transpire into, it affects their children. It affects their safety. It affects their wages. It affects what they put on the table. I was listening to a podcast this morning, and you know, he was saying, uh, the guy who was the host of the show was saying, you know, I talked with some people, uh, you know, that live around me, and and six months ago they would joke about how, oh, I could only go out to dinner like one night, or oh, we miss like our Pizza Hut every Friday because it used to be like our treat, and now you go fast forward six months, and it's like. I can't put gas in my car. I had to pull my kid out of sports because I couldn't afford to keep him on the team. And it's just like, okay, the Democrats might want to punish Republicans for the Donald Trump presidency, but in turn, when you do things that have such radical progressive reach and and at a national level, it affects all parties. And uh, people don't like it when they can't support their families, gas their cars, uh, feed their kids or have them play sports or have to quit a job because they can't for pe- you know for people to watch their kids anymore so it's definitely one of the things that uh we've seen resonate uh Maya Flores was a great example of that uh you know in her districts a place where Republicans never won and then you have two other great house candidates down there Monica de la Cruz and Cassie Garcia who are looking to you know make up that trifecta of people who 
Five years ago, they wouldn't even have considered running for office, and now they're probably going to win U.S. House seats in a district that has been historically Democrat for either 100 years or forever. It's just crazy to see how that's uh, you know, affecting the country. And the next thing I want to touch with you on is uh, probably the most important part of this interview. Let's talk about the primary race that's coming up. August 2nd, huge day. We consider it like the last third. We do have a couple primaries after August 2nd. Obviously, there's Alaska and Florida and a couple other ones down the road. But this is like the last big one of like major states. You have Missouri, you have Arizona, Washington State, um, and a couple others that we've really been tracking hard. Let's talk about uh, what's going on in your district, maybe some of your primary opponents, and uh, what the matchup looks like heading into uh, August 2nd. I think it's looking good. Uh, we, we took a completely different route. You know, I funded this campaign myself from the ground up with the exception of a couple of friends and families and, you know, small, uh, a lot of the people that I'm get against are establishment guys. They right. got pack money and, you know, they're, they're, they're pulling big numbers, you know, and I think, but I think the American people are tired of, of those big money, big establishment guys, because they realize that those are just career politicians climbing the political ladder. You know, uh, you see a couple of my opponents and I'm not here to trash anybody, but they're career politicians. And then they'll, they'll stand on a stage and say, I'm not a career politician. And I'll say, well, you've been working for the government for eight years. <laughs> you know, what, what is that? You know, when's the last time that you, that you had to, to get something other than mailbox money, you know, where you have to actually establish yourself week to week and make a product and, and get something done. So I feel like as we're going out, we're doing something different. We're not spending $200,000 on, on mailers that I don't know about you, but for me, I just trash mailers anyway. Sure. But if somebody comes to my door, looks me in the eyes, tells me who they are, shakes my hand, that's what we're doing. And, uh, I feel like, uh, we probably are the, the dark horse in this race because they don't realize that we are doing that, that we're not, you know, it's, it's been 107 degrees some days and we're still out there. We're not. We're not going, oh, it's too hot to be out here. And I think that that resonates with the people because they see that you're willing to work and get things done because that's that's who I am. That's, that's what I made my living on as as a developer is bringing people together and, uh, you know, identifying problems and then getting them done. No, I mean, listen, that's the blueprint that we've seen have the most success throughout this primary season. A couple great examples are Mike Collins, he, he's running in Georgia 10. Uh, Jim Bognett, he's running in Pennsylvania 8. They both talked about how many doors they knocked on. It was funny, they'd come on the show and tell stories, and they'd go out and they'd say, listen, I want to talk to you about so-and-so campaign. And, uh, you know, they'd knock on people's doors and start talking and be like, yeah, I'd really like to to meet that person and, uh, you know, ask him these questions about stuff they're running on. He's like, well, this is a perfect opportunity to do it. That person's me. And, uh, yeah, exactly. You can see me. You can touch me. It's, it's, it's real. That's what the people are looking for right now. They don't want to see stuff on TV anymore. They don't want to hear the talking points. They know a lot of the stuff they hear is either skewed one way or the other politically. And the guys with the most ground game, Joe Kent talks about it all the time. Like it's completely exhausting. Kyle, we know you have you have a wonderful family, beautiful family. We've seen pictures of on your social media and stuff like that. It probably sucks being away from them, but you know, at the end of the day, you get over the hump here on August second, head into that general election in a place like Missouri. It's most likely going to be, you know, the Republican nominee who who wins the House seat. And then you're going to be doing things that are going to be helping your family again. And that's what a lot of constituents who get to see you face to face, you know, are hopeful for right now. And I think the, the ground game is something that is unmatched. There's obviously candidates who are going to run more, 
nationalist campaigns because of like, you know, notoriety. Maybe they were former Trump administration officials or they had worked in, you know, Congress or, or local government before and they have more face time. But I'm telling you what, the people who have gone out and just done it the old fashioned way have had more success during this primary elections than a lot of people who are connected to the establishment because they're lazy with it. And uh, the people don't want that anymore. You know, they want something real. And uh, I definitely think the ground game is something that's a, a, a great aspect that, you know, you, you've harnessed there. And uh, we're hoping for a big, uh, successful turnout on August 2nd for you. Last thing I want to do is uh, be able to direct our listenership. We know you're in the born, barnstorming season right now. Busiest time of the year right before the election, last 10 to 14 days right now. Any way we could help out? Uh, you know, we have a vast listenership. Uh, like I said, Governor Greitens is a frequent guest on this show. So we got a lot of people in Missouri that are listening. Uh, they're going to be hearing this on, uh, you know, the Tuesday before the election. People that could come out and help you knock on doors, people that could nationally donate to your campaign. We stress on this show big time. We don't donate to the RNC, the GOP anymore, Ronald McDaniel. They didn't do anything for us except line their own pockets. Find candidates who are running the right races, financially support them. That's the way we win this thing in November. So if you want to give out your social medias and campaign website, we'll live link them in the show description today. Uh, I'll make sure that I do that. It's kylelebrew.com. Pretty easy on that. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Gitter. And I, and I, you know, with all your listeners, I want to, and I want to challenge them. If you see somebody that's like me, uh, if, if the me, if the media is telling you that they're not serious contenders, check them out and see what they're doing because there really is a machine in politics Yep. And it seems like that machine is fed by dollars and we don't need any more of that in our, in our political world. What we really need is people that love America first and are willing to put in their time and, and, uh, and dedication to that. I'm grateful for my, my wife and my family sticking with me. Even my kids are out on this campaign with me all the way down to my eight year old. That's great. Uh, sweating in the heat and, and, but it's teaching them something about freedoms. The freedoms aren't free. You have to get out there. And you have to and you have to work for them. And so, to your listeners, I would say, please stand up where you are, be a voice where you are. And uh, if you're in my district, if you're not in my district, please send funds if you can. If you can't, uh, try to support your local people. And uh, if you're in my district, I say this is as simple as it gets. If you can tell five friends about me, and ask them to tell five friends, that would be maybe a difference maker. Uh, August second is the primary. We need your help. We really do. And if you're looking for somebody that's not a career politician, I'm your guy. That, that, listen, listen for us. That's it right there on the back of his America first campaign. We're going to be sending him lots of love and support heading into that August 2nd primary. We're going to be talking about it a lot this week on the show. Kyle, the Thanks for joining us today on steak for breakfast. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. It was good sitting down with Kyle for the first time and we wish him the best. Obviously he's got a big, uh, Republican primary coming up on August 2nd, back third of the primary season. And uh, we're hoping that he can, you know, that part of rural Missouri is so important to the America First movement. It'd be good to see him uh, secure the nomination there and then fight for that House seat in the general election. Um, and, well, in addition, it, well, let's just backtrack a little bit. For all the stuff that we saw President Trump do and get his message out wise at the Arizona rally, uh, less than 15 hours later, he was flown from Arizona back to Florida. He was in Tampa for the Turning Point USA Student Action Summit there and appeared with a lot of the other, you know, big names in conservative politics, some of the America First. I mean, there was obviously people there who aren't 
Um, you know, it's one of those things where uh, it's who they lock in. But Donald Trump was the keynote speaker. He spoke on the second day and was the last speaker. And uh, we're going to play some clips from some of our favorites there. Uh, first up on the list, Lauren Boebert, um, you know, who we really like on the show. The stuff that she's doing in the, in the U.S. House right now has been pivotal to kind of holding Democrats accountable. And it's because of the large voice and reach that she has. She touched on that a little bit in her speaking portion of the event. Let's hear it. Now, there is an identity crisis that is taking place in our country. God said that it would happen in Romans chapter 1. The message translation says that they refused to acknowledge God as God. They knew him perfectly well. And since they wouldn't bother with him, he quit bothering them. And soon they even forgot how to be human. Women forgot how to be men. Men forgot how to be men. Women forgot how to be women. Men forgot how to be men. See how confusing the Democrats get us? Yep. How dare you? You are made for a purpose. You have identity. You have a voice. We need you to use that voice. I need you to be strong in this time. Use the purpose and the gifts that God has given you for this time. It's not an accident that you're here. In fact, the only place you're going to find that identity is in Christ. Mm-hmm. That's, that's good to hear. I, I mean, I think at, out of all the people who are in Congress right now, I believe, you know, her and MTG are probably two of the most attacked out there. And I think it's because yeah. of the entire demographic. They're both young. Uh, they're both pretty. Uh, they both have huge voices and they're actually dialed. You know, it's not like one of those ones where you, you could say like, AOC is an attractive member of the other party. She's not dialed into the issue. She just talks on the scripted talking points. These people really get into dissecting this stuff up, and they're going to be amazing committee members next year. But do you like the things that Lauren Boebert brings to the table? I think she's probably one of the biggest firebrands in the U.S. House. Yeah, no, I think she's amazing, and she seems genuine, too. It's not like an act, like you said, like AOC and and the others. Um, <clears throat> they're both very strong, fiery, ballsy. They're not afraid to get all the backlash they get. You know, um, and it's a lot. It's really bad. But I think that it just makes them stronger. It fuels them. You could just see them. You could just see them getting more like fired, fired up. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like since from the start to now, they know what they're dealing with. They've been they've been in there, you know, for a little time now, and they see how shit works. And they're like, "All right, motherfuckers, (laughs) like, came on." Yeah, and when you see some of the larger accounts online, like on Twitter, the Patriot Takes account and the Midas Touch podcast account who have, like, I think three-quarters of a million and and half a million uh, followers all together, you know, besides Matt Gates and, and a couple people who go after, like, Dr. Fauci on the Senate side, you see a lot of these, uh, you know, shit posts that they're putting out there trying to put Marjorie Taylor Greene and Lauren Boebert kind of on display, so... I think that they're pretty much over the target when it comes down to the stuff that's going on. And, you know, as far as things like the Freedom Caucus and stuff goes, I think they're going to be a huge part of the, uh, you know, investigative committees that that come out of the midterm elections this year. Yeah, and I think they're really afraid of that. So, I mean, if they're being attacked the way they are, I think it's a good sign. Yeah, and it's always, like, stupid stuff. It's like, you know, so-and-so thinks this, and, like, you, they play an audio clip from her, and it's like, that's not really what she's saying. That's, like, the yeah, narrative you're putting fun. to caption it. Um, Florida Senator Rick Scott was there. 
urging Americans to get dialed into, you know, some of these big issues. We've obviously seen it since the start of the Biden administration. It's how they're trying to end the experiment that's known as America. Uh, let's hear him give this little forecast on what we need to be doing. Here's what they're trying to destroy. Just think about it for a second. American history, patriotism, border security, gender, traditional morality, capitalism, fiscal responsibility, opportunity, rugged individualism, Judeo-Christian values, free speech, law enforcement, religious liberty, parental involvement in schools, and even private ownership of firearms. The woke left wants all that gone. They want to end the American experiment. They want to replace freedom with control. The elites and the government are telling us what we can and cannot what we can think, what we can do. They want to control our lives. Woke government-run schools. Woke government-run health care. Woke government-run media. Woke government-run everything. In their new socialist America, everyone will obey and no one will be allowed to complain. If you do speak up, boom, you're going to be canceled. Your views, if they don't conform to big tech or Fauci or Neil Young, you're going to be taken off of Spotify, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. The modern left in America are the modern-day version of book burners, canceling, silencing, and banning from the Internet is the same as book burning. I think Noah. Yeah. No mm-hmm. lies detected. No, it's just everything that they're doing, like how anybody thinks that it's okay. I mean, it's just like right. two plus two is always four when it comes to dictators. Do you guys think that a lot more people would be dialed into the alarming level of things that are going on in this country regarding the radical progressive left if like technology existed at the time where we saw stuff like this in other places of the world and even in the revolutionary periods of America where we could physically see and not just read or hear about, you know, the stuff that went on back like a couple hundred years ago. Yeah, you, you, think, you think it would make it a little bit more digestible? Yeah, for sure. Because right, right now everybody's pretty much getting caught up on a very long, long history of things that have been going on for a long time, you know, that they haven't seen. I think that obviously Trump becoming president and social media and the technology we have right now is, yeah, definitely changed the game. Yeah, social media and the internet and the advent of all that has, I mean, you can even see that when it comes to people that are from a different decade, Mm -hmm. or not even a decade, a different, you know. Era. Era. Yeah. I don't want to get into the, the COVID thing, but you even see it with like Fauci claiming that he never said that he wanted to lock down the United States. Oh, I never wanted to lock down anything. And then you, two seconds later, you can play the clip of him. <laughs> I, I urged the president to shut down the country. It's like, which, yeah. which is it asshole? Like, you, you, I know you're old, but like, well, the you have to realize, funny. yeah, the, if it's been on the internet, it's there forever. Yep. And no matter how, hard the left the media the the whatever want to hide the shit it's always there somebody's got the receipts mm-hmm. well i think that one they're so out of touch too they really think we're that dumb three well their their main base is that dumb though yeah. that's that's why true. they have a base true that but but it's getting um, smaller 
but they're still probably so like these guys like Fauci are so stuck into that in that era thinking okay yeah we could say one thing and another and nobody like they you know they they won't remember or they okay. don't realize how technology has evolved so much like really they they basically created this shit so they could control us and do shit you know control us in many avenues but it's actually backfired on them in so many ways and it's really i mean people have you weaponized it to call them out and to expose them yeah, yeah. It's like it's that, apart. It's that, doc, that Dr. Fauci narrative is breaking today where he said, uh, what did you say he said? He said, he said that he had never, he never Talking wanted about. to lock everything down. But he did a CNN show this Sunday morning where he talked about how the unvaccinated were a big part of the problem of the variants spreading mm-hmm. and that more comprehensive lockdowns directed towards them would have helped solve ending it faster. Wow. That was number one. And so wait, he, he's saying that right now? He said it this Sunday. That's bullshit. And then right after that, he jumped on Fox News with Brett Baer and Brett Baer, who I can't stand. We all can't fucking stomach him. But I did have to watch the segment because I wanted to see where Fox News was going to go with it. Brett Baer read to him his FOIA released emails where it said everybody telling Dr. Fauci, like, dude, this has all the signatures and marks up of stuff that's done in a lab. We obviously know it's there. And, you know, Dr. Fauci would email him back. Well, it's fluid. And he's like. Everyone knew it, like, and you're still saying, and he's like, oh, no, the science says that, that Wait, more extra- The science, as in Dr. Fauci? Right, agrees that this is something that came evolutionally. Yeah. But- And Brett Bear's like, okay, I'm going to read you this line that I just read you again. He's like, no, you don't have to do that, Brett. He's, and then he started doing the, Brett, you're better than this. You're better than this. Brett, you know, you, you're better than this. Fox News is better than this. And you're he's getting, like- You're getting paid better than this. He's just like, but it's the emails. I have emails from like a dozen of your colleagues who are all raising these alarms. Like these are the things that were going on. These are the places where like studies and research and uh, science were happening in in places in the world, which a lot of it was in Wuhan, China and and the Ukraine. And and he's like, oh, no, 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 no. Believe me, a majority of the science, the, the governing body of science, all things science related, believe that this came via evolution and not man made in a lab. Wow, you know that's I'm I'm shocked, but that's pretty awesome. Yeah, and it's hilarious how he tries to skirt around it and like stop him. And oh my gosh! Well, it's, it's like when you look at when you look at quote unquote science on all this stuff, you got to take into consideration that take uh, the global warming studies. You know, back to uh, the what's his name from the Weather Channel, John Coleman. John Coleman, like his entire thing is. All these people that are doing these studies are getting grants from the government or yeah, from big, paid. in this case, would be big pharma. And so, of course, the science is going to match up with that. But real science. But yeah, it's all fake science made up scripted, obviously, right? Yeah, but, the real science is actually coming from legitimate colleagues, professors, uh, scientists who work on their own that are sending him emails going like, oh, yeah, this shit's fucked up. Like, this isn't right. And he's just going to ignore that and pretend it didn't happen because you know, the fucking gravy trains that it was yeah. good to go. They're paying Pfizer I mean, to We can look vaccines. at the data ourselves because you don't need a science degree or to be a virologist or an epidemiologist to be able to read charts and data. Yep. I mean, this the actual data that we have available, which we know is still fucked with. Well, how yeah. about the data that people just in the, in the fucking world see now? It's like right. how many, okay, so if you're listening to this podcast right now and hypothetically speaking, you are, unjabbed, jab, boosted, not boosted, whatever. How many people do you know that are the biggest true believers wearing a mask over their fucking eyes right now who've been vaccinated, triple boosted, maybe scammed a couple more just for fucking good good measure? 
have gotten the shit more times than the people who aren't. Right. Oh. Yeah, for sure. Well, what what can you say about it except that uh I can say this. Oh, scissor me timbers. But that's about it. <laughs> MTG was there at the Student Action Summit, and she was talking impeachment. So let's hear her weigh in on something that uh, we all like to talk about. Completely corrupt, and I'm going to tell you something right now. Joe Biden should be impeached. And I'm also going to add, so should Nancy Pelosi. She should be. Any woman that will ignore the intelligence reports and ignore that the Capitol is, that there's going to be problems on January 6th, that's not President Trump's fault. That is no one else's fault but hers. And, it's, and it falls squarely on her shoulders. But this is the... Cap- I agree with her there. Yeah. Uh, there's definitely going to be some accountability for Nancy Pelosi following these midterm elections. Um, she I hope, well... We all hope that she'll be exchanging her gavel for leg irons, but we all know that's not going to happen. But uh, to see her uh, political career ended would be, you know, a cherry on top of a red wave. She'll, I mean, she'll see it coming and, and bow out grace, relatively gracefully. Circling back to COVID, I think Dr. Fauci's going to do the same thing. He says he sees himself retiring before the end of the first Biden administration, but if they... Weird. Get <laughs> massive numbers in the House and win back power in the Senate. You don't. Oh, think, he's sticking around for sure. I mean, they're going to be calling him before Congress regardless. But as acting director, it's like you know, as soon as they start slamming him, uh, Do you think they're going to give him the official title title Lord, <laughs> so he can actually be Lord Fauci? Listen, no, you're better than that. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was uh, it was you know, just that whole narrative is just annoying, and and I can't stand it. Um, what I can stand though is getting some some Matt Gates at, at this thing. So he he was in on a couple different, and uh, we'll be starring in our outro today. So make sure you listen all the way through the show. The, the The last minute, minute and a half of our shows are probably some of the best content that we put. And out And if there. you don't know, there's an outro at the end of the show yet. How dare you? You have 155 now shows to go back and cover. <laughs> hey, they've gotten better. For the you know the beginning, it was just you know a lot of Alex Jones. Yeah. Now well, it was a lot of just Scissor Me Timbers. And uh, yeah, yeah, that's true. No, 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 no. I, I, no, I jumped on late. I was just wasn't sure if you guys heard that about Joe Biden's press secretary uh, resigning. Yep. Oh, Joe Biden's press secretary. Yeah. Well. Very dusting. Not like he was doing very much of anything productive anyways, but uh, yeah, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll have to see where that – well, listen, the writing's on the wall. Right now it's do you want to continue to collect government paychecks and make your – future government retirement a little bit more lucrative and yes. and, and hold up but or, or do you want to like actually put out the decorations for Halloween and Thanksgiving and then transition into Christmas how dare me we know oh. the radical progressive left doesn't believe in that do you want to do your multicultural Christmas decorations early this year god that's got to be so much more expensive yeah to have to put everybody's everything up on your front lawn mm-hmm. gosh mm-hmm. well let's let's jump into Matt Gates uh, talking about how uh you know, the American people are empowered and the government shouldn't be the ones that are uh, directing rule over them. As we battle the corrupt establishment in both parties, we see how 2016 showed us that we can expose and destroy the institutions that screw Americans. But our challenge now is to create and form the America that we love and that we want to live in, an America that is truly ours. So what does our America look like? In our America, the people are empowered and the government is constrained, not the other way around. 
I'm not eating the bugs. I'm not living in the pods. I'm not taking the jabs, and I will not live one more second under lockdowns and mandates that limit the freedoms and liberties of our fellow Americans. I'm done. I thought you'd like that one, Noah. Yeah. <laughs> now Matt Gates has been doing a great job, and and he's picking up steam, and and you know he's going to be one of those real, actual like pillars of holding up the House of Representatives next year. I think I saw that, that clip of him um, uh, when he was asked that question about the <laughs> the pro Roe versus Wade like a uh, protester. Oh, I'm assuming that one's coming. Oh, what? do you have it ready? <laughs> the, the be offended clip. Well, that's part of our outro, Antoinette. Stop, oh. stop spoiling it for everybody. Spoiler no, alert! I didn't mean to. Sorry, I, I guys. Have a, I have a whole pronoun themed end of our show today. Oh, amazing! Amazing! I figured. Yeah, but you know like, we were on that one, so. <laughs> I was like, I need to add it right now just in case he forgets. There you go. We have, um, well, Big Dick Ron DeSantis was the second to last speaker at the event. And, uh, you know, I, I wonder if there was any backstage crossings of the ships between him and Donald Trump as they were going on and off stage. Um, you know, so many people are, are speculatorily putting out stuff right now that just is the, the most recent one I heard was that Ron DeSantis and Donald Trump have agreed on a 2024 ticket and it's guaranteed. Like everyone who knows Donald Trump would have to change his permanent mailing address and, and living destination from Florida back to New Jersey if he wanted that to happen because you don't get the electoral votes in the general election if both candidates come from the yeah. same state. Mm hmm. That's number one. And number two, I just think when you, when you look at it, legit, there's so many high-level meetings going on between these two camps right now. And, and I really just think that, you know, the most cost-effective way for the country is for Ron DeSantis to be the governor one more time and Donald Trump to be yeah. a different person to be his uh, veep, which we know is in the uh, vetting stages right now. But let's hear uh, Ron DeSantis shit-talking a little bit about Joe Biden catching COVID. Again, you think about things like Mr. Gorbachev tear down this wall. With, with Biden, you think of a guy staring into the teleprompter like a deer in a headlights. End of quote. Repeat the line. <laughs> now, I, I must say, he did test positive for COVID, and I want to, on behalf of the state of Florida, wish President Biden a speedy recovery from COVID. And I also want to wish the United States of America a speedy recovery from Joe Biden. <laughs> now, he came in and cranked the printing presses, kneecapped American energy, and he also opened our southern border. And what we've seen in the last year and a half is the largest illegal migration into this country in the history of the United States of America. We have record human trafficking. We have record sex trafficking. And we have record drug trafficking such that the leading cause of death for Americans 18 to 45 overdose from fentanyl. Where is the fentanyl coming from? It's coming right across the southern border every single day with Biden's implicit consent. And here's the thing. Well, yeah, good to him. You know, he had a couple stump points right there that kind of align up with uh, Trump era policies, and then at the same time, found a little bit of uh, wiggle room in there to have a shit of John Joe Biden, which we love, of course. 
So, I mean, we don't not like Ron DeSantis. We just think he does that, it himself sometimes. You know, I think he's going to make an amazing president someday. It's just not going to be in 2024. It's the right time. Yeah. Uh, you know, because Florida really does need him right now. Yeah, everybody just wants to hit the fast forward button. And, right. you know, it's like, listen, we got the dream ticket in 2016. At the time that they looked like they were going to be an unstoppable force and everybody got so romanticized with it. Then you go in there and see the actuality of it. They weren't prepared with having staff. They didn't know they had to have like 10,000 people ready to work on day one. Then they fill all those positions with Ted Cruz, Jeb Bush, and Chris Christie staffers at the highest levels. And and look how that got you. You had appointments who were great that lasted the entirety of the administration. You had appointments that were not so great that only lasted a few months after they tried to railroad, you know, America first and uh, make sure MAGA wasn't going to happen once it was in the White House. Then we had the debacle with the midterm elections, which rolled right into what happened in the general in 2020. And uh, look where we are now. I definitely think we're coming in well more prepared than we were in 2016. Yeah, I mean, and look at all the people that got exposed during his first term. Yeah. It's almost like he's clearing the chessboard and has to clear the chessboard. So now when he comes in, he knows exactly what he has to do, where he has to clean up. And, you know, I think, like you said, they are going to be way more prepared. But so it was so riddled on both sides Mm -hmm. at the time, you know, when he got in, like he said, this, I thought I knew the swamp was deep. I didn't know how deep and he wasn't, he wasn't bullshitting. It was bad. So now he knows who's who for the most part. And we're getting some really good people in there that are loyal to this country and the people. And let's see what happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree. You mean Donald Trump was the ground game mm-hmm. and, and he was, he was everything in 2016. Now we have so many other people that are, that are working these events. Um, all of the former administration officials that are still working for him out there, getting ahead of these things and, and going all over the world to make sure that, you know, Trump era policies are going to be able to come back swiftly in 2024. Um, you know, and as we segue now to the last portion of news two and the main event, I pulled the choiciest cuts that weren't from the Arizona rally, but were delivered uh, 15 hours later in Tampa, Florida from Donald Trump. He got into the spiritual aspect aspect of it because, you know, this is centered around Turning Point USA event. Let's hear him talk about teaching the Bible. Hmm. Next, we need young conservative activists to help finally and completely smash the radical left's corrupt education establishment. The current educational system is so sick that school prayer is banned and drag shows are allowed and all sorts of things are happening. It's horrible. And we have some great politicians in this country that are fighting it very hard and we love them. You can't teach the Bible, but you can teach children that America is evil and that men can get pregnant. A man can get pregnant. Can't even talk about the Bible. You would not trust these people to babysit your children for 20 minutes. And why should we then let them educate millions of American students six hours a day, year after year after year? Exactly. First time I've heard him touch on that. And yeah. I think it's a really good, you, you tie two things together with the broken education system and then the removal of God from pretty much all of the public, uh, you know, places in the United States, especially in the schools. I, th- I thought that was yep. pretty wholesome. Yeah, no, same. I love that. I love hearing that because I mean, obviously that's exactly what they're doing and that's what communists do. And that's who is doing all this, all this shit to our country. Mm-hmm. Commies. The first thing they do is remove your guns, remove God, make you worship them. It's disgusting, but I'm so glad he said it. 
Yeah, another thing he he touched on that he really doesn't, um, you know, talk about too much, even though it's kind of a newer item, is is the food shortages and the stuff that's going on uh, around the country in addition to, uh, you know, places like that are being effective here in the United States, the huge protests that are happening like the Netherlands. Let's hear him weigh in on that issue. But the climate crisis hoax <laughs> is even risking famine and starvation. As we speak, farmers in the Netherlands, of all places, are courageously opposing the climate tyranny of the Dutch government. Can you believe this? Which wants to dramatically cut Dutch farm production despite growing food shortage. They're saying you can't farm your land. We're not gonna give you fertilizer. You have to get rid of the cattle. You know why, right? Oh you know why? I won't tell you because they'll say, I said something, isn't that terrible? They want to get rid of the cattle because it, what it does to the globe, half of your cattle they want out. You'll be next. You'll be next. No, it's it's true. And, and you know, I, I just... want to fart. <laughs> yeah. Well, I saw this week, uh, Justin Trudeau wrote into their government billing, uh, the, the government issued fertilizer in Canada... Oh for the fiscal year 2023 has been reduced by 30%. Yeah, it's insanity. It's like we're trying now. Well, yeah, now, I mean, it's, they're pushing people. They're, I mean, I, I thought that people were already at their limit, but now for Trudeau to do something like that shit, I mean, I don't care what side you're on, people are gonna be pissed. Yeah. <laughs> and it's gonna get ugly. So let's see how long Castro's son lasts. Yeah, they, they, you know, they've already, well, they've already done the gun grab in Canada. No more FFLing there. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, they're drastically reducing the amount of people who have access to handgun purchases in Canada. And now they're parlaying that into um, for what's going to be an apparent fertilizer shortage next year. And uh, we'll have to see where this goes. No, I pulled the next clip for you. It's our second to last one because you pointed out so often about Donald Trump being able to survive and thrive when going off the teleprompter. Mm -hmm. He actually probably heard you while <laughs> listening to a recent edition of Steak for Breakfast and talked about it at the uh, SAS summit. Let's hear it. Think of this story. So they make up, do you have a couple of minutes, by the way? Yes, good. So think it, because I haven't seen anybody leaving yet. I have gone so off script and all those speeches are my best speeches. That's one thing you can't say about Joe Biden. If he goes off script, it's a disaster. It's a disaster. Even when he's on. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, no, he. the best when he's off script, legit, because he's just him and you want to see that because he's so fucking funny. <laughs> yeah, and he's real. And that's big, yeah. big part of what identifies what I think the, especially that, you know, Turning Point USA SAS Summit. It's like, what is the age demographic there? You're talking there's like yeah. legit teenagers to people like probably in their mid-20s mm -hmm. at their oldest. And uh, they packed that place. And they had him really going. But uh, in our last audio clip of the day, he would touch on some of Joe Biden's amazing and through the floor poll numbers that Ooh, have come out recently. Dang. You, you know, he, low blow. he definitely refers to Joe Biden in regards to Biden administration only, but very uh, – Less frequently does he personally go after him. Let's hear uh, him weigh in on this. Given Joe Biden's atrocious record, it is no wonder that young people are deserting them and the Democrats, they're deserting them in droves. Nobody's ever seen anything like it. Not only, <laughs> not only young people, by the way, Hispanics. Look at the Hispanic population. African-Americans, Asian-Americans, 
not only young people. Joe Biden's approval rating among young adults has now gone down to, they think, less than 20 percent. He's in the teens. And this is something that the Democrats have long dominated because their extreme ideology has nothing to offer for the next generation. The radical left is the past. Our movement, make America great again, America first. Our movement is the future. It is the future. And he certainly is. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, that's something that you can definitely throw on to that age group and, and have them really start to uh, get involved. We, we've seen it a lot. And, and you know, the, the people that are young in this country who are getting involved with politics, probably for the first time in their lives, if this won't be the second election cycle that they're allowed to vote in, it's, it's higher numbers than ever before. Or so. they've made drastic changes. I mean, like, I was in, I was registered independent forever mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. just, just out of, I don't know, just to make a fucking statement. Right. I switched to Republican. Yeah. I know it's a lot like, of people like that too. Fuck all y'all. And if you haven't yet, I mean, it does show up on people's, uh, people's lists. Yeah. <laughs> Good or bad. Yeah. I no, mean, naughty or nice. well, it's like, say you live in California and okay. they see a drastic shift of people that were independent or were Democrat and they switched to Republican like that shows up. Yeah, we've seen millions of voters just this election cycle uh, either walk away from the Democrat Party or register for the first time as Republicans. Yep. So and, uh, you know, people are out there uh, keeping track of these things. It means something. It does. It does. <laughs> and, and you know, what we've seen so far and we've pointed it out on the show, uh, you know, it, it's it's so often that we see in primary elections uh, somebody like in the Republican side comfortably win a primary election, but then when you see that the totality of people that come out for the Democrat Party is like five times the number of, you know, the amount of that the person on the Republican side wanted, it almost sets it up to like, okay, 200,000 people came out. I for, thought you were going to say five times heavier. That probably too, <laughs> only when you're referring to Stacey Abrams. But, uh, or, or, well, or Larry Hogan. Um, but, you know, when you look at those numbers, you'd Have say. Have you ever seen them together? Mm. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> You would say like, okay, a Republican got 5,000 votes, but the Democrat in his primary got 104,000 votes. You kind of know where that general election is going to go. This is the first time that I can remember not only are Republicans, well, the Trump endorsed ones also are winning by such large margins. You're actually seeing voters come out on the Republican side and lapping uh, Democrats in the primaries, which, you know, means more Democrats will go out and vote on general election day on November 8th. But the the fact of the matter is, is that the numbers are actually relevant right now. He is a thick BB. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it, it, it's good to see. And, you know, it, it's great to see that the people are actually getting involved. And I mean, listen, when you go to work, if you could make it there on how much gas costs right now, and you don't have to get beat up on public transportation in places like New York, Philadelphia, Washington, D.C., or Chicago. Yeah. Or it, carpool with yeah, each other. Which is completely annoying. Imagine you worked in an office and you wore like a nice suit and you had to sit cramped up in a car with like seven other people for an hour, drive back and forth to work, you know, Uh. or if you can go to the grocery store and, 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 you know, find things that you actually need to feed your family at a reasonable price, which is virtually impossible. Now, you know, we talked about it with Kyle earlier in the show. Uh, I was listening to some podcasts six months ago. People would joke, oh yeah, we can't go out to dinner. We'll have one less date night a month. That was six months ago. Now it's like I had to quit my job because I can't afford paid childcare for my kid, or I had to pull my kid out of all their activities. And now they just sit home every day and eat knockoff brand Cheetos. Cause you can't afford the real ones and play video games because everything's too expensive. And by design, if we're going to look at it from that angle, mm-hmm. it's like 
we're damaging the youth even further than the lockdowns and stuff like that because now it's it's, it's not a lockdown for fucking hashtag science or for fucking safety. It's it's a lockdown for hashtag paid grants. Just because mm-hmm. it's just because that's where we're yeah. at, and and, and it, it achieves the same. They get in trouble. They've got you know again further, like you said their education and like those extracurricular activities mean everything for a lot of kids, you know, it well, helps their growth and, and it's just, it's setting everybody back. Even parents It's yeah. fucking stressful, man. Yeah. And it's, it's their way to advance and learn and become their own person. But if you sit home and you're getting yeah. indoctrinated by these fucking TikTok stars mm-hmm. that are, that are literally getting paid to push messages on your children. Mm-hmm. Exactly. exactly. It, 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 the desired effect is your children being more malleable towards just fucking obeying. Like, I mean, like you, I've mentioned this before. Zombies, man. Like, you know, basically if they're looking at the TV all day because they've got nothing else to do and it's too hot in some places like here in Vegas to be mm-hmm. outside. So then they're stuck inside. And then what are they going to do? So looking on YouTube and playing video games and then in that world online, anything is, you know, it's a, it's a free anything goes sort of situation and it's it's just scary and it's like i said it's so stressful for stressful for these parents because they've got no help yeah you know i agree and uh, you know there there was some other newsworthy items that made it uh through the cycle this weekend but we just felt like these messages the trump rally and then what was going on down in tampa with the student action summit were probably the biggest ones that resonate to this base they're the issues that are important to you you know the answer to donald trump uh, you know, going all over the place and speaking this weekend was a Mike Pence rally, Dr. Fauci across the cable news cycles. You know, we also saw some big news that came out breaking last week. It's not really pertinent to this show, but it's definitely highly concerning. We see that the FDA might be complicit in uh, lying about numbers for the last 20 years in regards to ADHD medicine and mm-hmm. uh, Alzheimer's <laughs> medicine. Yeah. That the medicines might not even work, but because of big business and big money, they just keep fucking cranking it out and giving it to people, which are causing a lot more harmful effects than it is doing to solve anything. Well, the ADHD stuff, it's like that was just, okay, the kids being a kid, mm-hmm. this is how we're going to try to solve the problem. There was a teacher when I was in middle school or grade school or wherever the fuck school it was, like, uh, I was a pain in the ass. I was a handful. I was I was that kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I was yelling shit and being weird. But like, there was one point where they were they wanted to put me on ADHD medicine. It's like yeah, because they want that to be your your babysitter. Yeah, that's the thing, and that's what these parents do. And it, this is like a topic that really upsets me because I know a few people in our extended family that have done this, and they have put their imagine four year old on Ritalin just because they couldn't handle him because he was just really rambunctious and, you know, had a lot of energy. Mm-hmm. But it's like you're literally medicating your kid and the medication is the babysitter. Your yeah. your child is a zombie. Imagine when he grows up and he realizes and he fucking snaps and ends up shooting all of you guys because yeah. you fucked him over. No, it's, you know? it's, it's true. And, you know, they had such better... So, listen, I could remember first grade, uh, I was hyper with all of my friends, you know, we did our thing, like ran the playground and did all this other stuff, but we, we were all hyper in the classroom too. I come from a small town. So all the people from your neighborhood are like in your class. So you're with your friends like all day. It's not like when you go to school now and it's like, you could not meet a person for your entire life. And next thing you know, they're in your class and people come and go from everywhere. But I remember one time I was being extra in class, me and a couple of my friends and, and I had a really nice teacher. She's, she's passed on she's made the trip up the rainbow road miss devoge 
And uh, one time I remember, I, I'm so emotionally damaged by this. I remember I had a, a ditto. That's what we called them worksheets back in the day. And it was like multiple or uh, adding and subtracting. And it had like pictures of whales on it. I remember I went up to sharpen my pencil and my pencil was like small and I sharpened it to be annoying all the way. Yeah. The one at the front of the classroom or every noise. <laughs> so I sharpened it all the way down to the end and I like went up to her desk, but there was people who brought their worksheets up there that were asking her for help. So I was like third in line and she had like, if you've ever seen Christmas vacation, it's like <laughs> the windmill with all the sticks. Yeah. That if you crank it, it spins, but if you touch it, it falls apart. And of course I was sitting there fucking with it and I hit it and every single fucking stick fell off of it. She grabbed my arm and I have a scar right there. She dug her nails into my arm and just looked at me to where it bled. And then when everybody went to like lunch, she called me up to her desk and like used an alcohol wipe on it. And it was basically like the, look what you made me do. Can't you just behave in class? And that was like one of the times in my life where I like turned like behavior. dressing your wound in silence, just yeah. looking at you like, and, and, and you know, <laughs> nodding her head. She messed fucker. up. She messed up my hair and uh, sent me out to play with my friends after that. But it was just like one of those things where like, I am scarred for life from that. And, and she probably was uh, just a hair away from just slapping the shit out of you too, which people did. But I mean, did that I, help you out? Did that like put? It like, did because because I I always like first of all I had to look at the scars and, and like the scabs on my forearm, but then you know even when I got up into like high school when I played sports like. Some of our coaches hit us, not beat us, but like if we didn't do something right, they'd slap us in the helmet, they'd pull our face mask and like hurt our necks. If That's we were normal, yeah, they'd walk up behind us and kick us in the ass. And it's like, you know, I remember one time when I was like, I might have been an eighth grader or a freshman. I went home and told my dad. My dad was like, "Fucking good." Yeah, he's like, probably deserved it. Yeah, he's like, "Go clean your fucking room, or I'm going to give you another beating." You know, it's like one of those. I exactly, would say the same shit if I told him, "Hey, I mean, you know, my teacher almost like slammed the door in my hand because I, I, I had a really like." He was pretty fucked up math teacher and he thought I was a smart ass just because he could never get me. He thought I was never paying attention, but he, he always would try to like the zingers or to try to like catch me off guard. Right. Never do it. And then he got me, he told me, get the fuck out of my class. I'm like, what did I do? I answered your question. And I went to walk out and he like almost slammed the door in my hand. I was like, holy shit, dude, like what the hell's going on? And I told my dad when I got home and he's like, well, it was probably your fault. And I'm like, bro, I'm like, I didn't do <laughs> no, I, I mean, I get it. I, it's so weird. When when my teacher grabbed me that day and, and dug her nails into my arm, I actually started looking kids at kids differently and was yeah. wondering, like, from that day forward, when <laughs> when are they going to get hit? Yeah. yeah you, right. you know, it's just like one of those things. So, and, and it was just a different time. And, and we've changed everything over to, like, and I think that's the big thing about finding out about these Alzheimer's drugs and these ADHD drugs. Dude, blanket medication is not the answer for everything. And it's like, if your blanket medication doesn't work, let's blanket it with a different kind of medication because this medication is fucking up your body. So let's give you all these other medications to help fix it in turn, fucking up your body even more than it like melt your brain or offer to offer to chop your feet off and oh, all that too. How dare you? But, right, uh, let, you know, let me finish adding to like what we're talking about with the teachers. The point I, I was trying to make there too, was that parents instead of medicating your kids, they might need a spanking and you might need to actually put some effort into disciplining them properly instead of medicating them, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. wooden spoon goes a long way. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, my kids have, they've graduated. Now they, they like, get don't getting, like, yelled at because they'll go tell my wife that I was mean to them. But, like, <laughs> well, that's it, it takes about 12 minutes. I, I can go at level 10 yelling at my kids in the, like, looking at them in the rear view and yelling at them the entire way to school if they're being bad and they're, straightened out by the time they get home so well 
well, like for me, my mom would be home with us all day because she was, you know, the homemaker. My dad was the the worker. But if we were bad at all, she'd be like, I'm fucking telling your dad when yeah. he comes home and you're going to see him. We all freaked out. We're begging her, you know. Yeah, that was my house too. Like the words, wait for your father to get home was yep. like, that's when you knew it was over. Yep. So, <laughs> and uh, it, it didn't matter what you did. Mm-hmm. We would go outside and pick flowers. We'd clean up our room and ask them, oh, yeah, that's fine. She'd still tell them. <laughs> ass is tanned by my dad when I got home. We called it the strap in my house. Mm. Oh, yeah. And he had quite a I, I kind of miss those collection. days. No, me, me too. And, and I, I, I've never needed to use it on my kids, but it's because of how I ra- how I was raised. Like you, you're saying, Antoinette, that I've been able to project that on my children. And it's like we've avoided that whole Exactly. You, know, you lay the foundations with a good beating and then, you know, 40, 50 years later when you're raising your own kids, you might not need to use it because you can stop it because you've seen uh, exactly. it coming down the road. So, you know, in addition to that, we saw Alex Jones and, and Steve Bannon sit down and talk to each other for the first time. It was a nice little stroke fest. Uh, Bannon was convicted of misdemeanors and going to have to pay fines in regards to his January 6th stuff. So, oh, no. right. Good for him. And Alex Jones has a new documentary coming out, which I thought was newsworthy ish. Not really too much content. If you want to go check out that edition of war room they, they have like an 18 minute segment together i wanted to listen to it but didn't pull too much out of it except them bouncing praise off each other uh in face to face for the first time which i thought was pretty cool but you know we'll, we'll continue to see what stories are developing this week we're already seeing a whole bunch of bullshit coming down the pike and we'll be getting ready to bring it to you in our uh, friday edition of the show great way to start the week can't think of any better than to uh well sit down with our great friend cash patel hear a new America First candidate for the first time and talk all things rally related as we love to do that on Steak for Breakfast. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear the other 154 editions of the show, you can find us across every downloadable podcasting platform. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Podaddict, Google Podcast, FM Player, iHeartRadio, the Patriot Podcast Network via the Roku app, and we're even on Frank Speech. Subscribe to the show and rate it, leave a review, and don't forget to download this and like, follow, and share Steak for Breakfast content. Show creds for today go to our good friend, Cash Patel, and uh, Missouri 4 U.S. House candidate, Kyle LeBrew. In addition to him, some of our internet friends, Hugh White Means, the Patriotic Babe Accounts, Mr. Garbaggio, and Christina Bob of Save America. Friends, go out and spend some cash at uh, all of our partners, because when you do that, the only thing that happens is you help make small American businesses great again. My pillow. Mike's still got all of the great sales going on. Got the slippers, wall supplies last, $49.98. Giza Dream Sheets, original My Pillows, and My Towel Sets. Summer BOGO, summer lowest prices ever before. Enter promo code STAKE at checkout, and you're going to get big, big savings on everything else they got going on. Got two websites right now mypillow.com forward slash stakes for everything sleep related. Or if you're talking about post-sleep, morning-related activities, we got mystore.com forward slash steak. You could always talk to a qualified pillow representative at 1-800-658-8045. The top tier of ear gear in the world's most technologically advanced in-studio recording equipment specializing in headphones can be found at Odyssey. Can't say enough about these bangers I've got on my ears. They're the best I've ever owned. Make that investment. Go see what they've got going on down there. Odyssey.com is the website. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram as well. Stay ready, gear holsters. If you want to get a picture of Donald Trump calling Larry Hogan a fat disgrace. Mm. Noah tried to make me laugh before by holding up a multiple chinned picture of him. It wasn't even a chin. It was just like... It just connects to his chest. It was an entirely new version of, like, I mean, he really gives that necktie a workout. Mm. They'll put it on a Kydex Conceal Carry holster and get those orders out faster than ever before. StayReadyGear.com is the website. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram as well. Men rubs. 
pork butts in the slow cooker. I bought it. I shook it. I sprinkled it after I browned it. Rubbed it in. Threw it in the slow cooker. Going to eat it later, probably with some barbecue sauce, and it's going to be num num num. Manrubs.com is the website. They're on Facebook and Instagram. Mike down at West Coast Survival Arms has a pretty simple equation for all your gun-related needs. Firearms, parts, accessory, and ammos. The newly redesigned, easy-to-use website is westcoastsurvivalarms.com. He's on Facebook Messenger and via the telephone, 619-870-6992. Mediocre Medic for all our first responders. We back the blue on steak for breakfast, and we love all the gear they've got going on down there. Mediocremedic.com is the website. Find him on Instagram. It's pretty fire. And last but certainly not least, Dumpbox. Home of the Zero Fucks Duck. Treat yourself. Go ask Mark Joe Friday. Find him on Instagram. Find him on Facebook. Upcoming shows. We'll be back on Friday. Boris is going to be here from War Room. It's going to be a great episode. We'll probably have a couple uh, candidates coming through as well. I've got some things lined up. I just got to finalize. Next Tuesday, we're circling back with Ambassador Rick Grinnell, and we're going to have former Assistant Secretary of the Department of Homeland Security, Marine and Artist. Dave Richardson is going to be sitting down with us on the first time. It's going to be a good show. Paige Wiley will be here on the 5th, and then for the rest of August, we're still working on a whole bunch of dates, so we'll get those updated ASAP. I mean, obviously, Cash is going to be back. Geisha's coming in with us. Christina Bob will be joining us. We always have a good time in this show. Friends of the Week. Man, that Twitch stream on our uh, True Social pops off every night. Yesterday was uh, Beastie Man 420's birthday. Nice. So happy belated birthday to him, but American Nintendo and uh, the real hamburger guy <laughs> and all those video game <laughs> Twitch streamers that are operating in our True Social comments. We love you guys. In addition to them, some of the regulars, we got Midnight Mitch, Let's Go Brenda, Mostly Peaceful, That Southern Dude, The Silent Meme Jordy, Thank Elvis, Not Far Out, John Hacker LA, and Baby Cakes 2.0. Guys, things to remember between now and Friday. Number one, do your own research. Donald Trump does a lot of research. You can hear it outlined in uh, all of his rally-related materials. In addition to him, we've got start a podcast. Easy peasy today? Yeah, not bad. I like it. Number three, let's start talking about American greatness. We don't talk about it enough anymore. It's time to start talking about American greatness again. And last but certainly not least, let's see what happens. Guys, this has been episode 155 of the Steak for Breakfast podcast. We'll be back on Friday. I'm just getting some text messages now. In addition to having Boris back on the show, apparently we'll be doing the news finally. Rescheduled with Mike Crispy. Nice. On behalf of the pod team, I'm Roan. Noah. Later. Antoinette. Bye, guys. Thanks for listening, and take care. So much could have sworn she was tweaking. Wish she would shut up because I am peeking and it won't last long. Hello, Miss. Hmm? Uh, you want the bag for all you pop? Sure, thanks. Mm. But she wants the bag. One bag not gonna kill planet, Janet. It's not that. Oh, you're the guy. No, I just don't identify as male or female. Oh. Mm-hmm. Just personally, I've always felt like I've lived somewhere in between. So I go by they or them. They're gender neutral. Who? I only see one person. I know they is a little confusing. Some people use zer or zer. Pronouns for non cisgendered people. Mm-hmm. I'm so sorry. It's okay. 
Trans people get it a lot. Oh, you're just trans. <laughs> you don't look trans. You can't say that either. What? I say she look good. It's they. They look good. Not all trans look good. Not all Korean look good. Uh, it's fine. I'm Eva. Hello, Eva. I'm a Mr. Kim, and this is a censorship agent. It's nice to meet you both. Nice meeting all of you, too. Bye. Okay. See you. That's not how it works. All of y'all on campuses across the country, your classmates, even if they're scared to say it, are looking around thinking this stuff is nuts. I talked to a student recently at one of our woke college campuses who said she's required in every class to introduce herself and to give her pronouns. Well, I'm Ted Cruz, and my pronoun is kiss my ass. Safe to say that based off of your comments, you're suggesting that these women at these abortion rallies are ugly and overweight? Yes. What do you say to people who think that those comments are offensive? Be offended. Mm -hmm. Damn, boy, he's thick. Boy, that's a thick-ass boy. Damn.